Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. I'm joined by Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. A lot to discuss with you here on the program today. We've got to recap the weekend in college basketball. Another very successful weekend for the Auburn Tigers. They go to Columbia, South Carolina and pretty much dominate things throughout in an 81-66 victory over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Bearing the lead here, Auburn ranked 15th in the AP poll this week, which them being ranked as the 31st consecutive week that the Tigers have been ranked a new program record. Hopefully that will be lengthened quite a bit here in the coming weeks. But Auburn ranked in the top 25 for the 31st consecutive week, a, uh, a new marker for the Auburn basketball program. We're also going to recap the weekend in the NFL playoffs as we had four football games of uh, varying degrees of excitement and uh, criticisms abound. And so we will uh, have uh, the recap of all those games and uh, starting to wind down on – we already wound down on college football, starting to wind down on just football in general again for another season. So we'll recap that. We'll also have best and worst of the weekend and uh, a lot to do. And of course, all of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401. Ryan, Tom, and Brent with you here on this Monday, starting with you, Tom. I hope you had a great weekend. Good yeah. to see you. Uh, it was good to see you. Yeah, glad to be back in the studio. And uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, a lot of sports going on. It was nice to see Auburn get that uh, get that win at South Carolina, which they sh- were supposed to. South Carolina, we discussed last week, are, is just terrible. Uh, they rank in the what mid two hundreds in yep, the two sixties, yep. two in the two sixties as far as a net ranking. So Auburn was supposed to handle them. You got a little weird there in the second half when Carolina suddenly cut a twenty two point lead to ten. Uh, Auburn uh, could not figure out the one three one zone that South Carolina went into, and they Carolina started uh, making some plays with uh, with their main guy Gigi uh, had a big game for them and. Uh, but they Auburn pulls away, gets the win, and it was awesome. NFL wise, uh, I, I guess it did not go the way a lot of people have thought it was going to go. I, I, especially with Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is a team that most folks kind of had pegged into the Super Bowl. You're playing in your home stadium in the snow. It seems like that's right up your alley. But uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals had a little something different to say about that. So, uh, yeah. It's a fun weekend, overall fun weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Had a great weekend. Want to say happy birthday to my grandfather. Uh, he turned 84 this past Saturday, so happy birthday to Paul Paul. Um, yeah, I had a great time going down to Geneva and, and spending a weekend with him and some some other members of my family, so a, a great weekend there. 
Uh, and yeah, Auburn sports, basketball at times, right? You, you were good teams are supposed to do that against bad teams, uh, especially that South Carolina team, uh, which is by over 100 spots the worst team in the SEC, according to the net rankings. They're just really bad. They have one pretty good player in G.G. Jackson, but I mean, that's kind of all they have. And he. He came on fire in the second half for sure, and yeah. like you said, cut cut that twenty two point lead to ten. But you look at the you look at the rotations in those moments. Most of that run uh, came against Auburn's bench, uh, which did not have a, a fantastic game. But other than that, uh, I think you played really well. That's what you're supposed to do to bad teams, and that means you're pretty much a good team. Uh, I think this week is more of a prove it week. You host A and M. Um, which will be a battle for second place in the SEC, and I think that's a massive match. And Auburn has to serve, has to hold serve at home if they're going to continue on this run. And I think they can. It's it's going to be an interesting game to watch that one because A and M's a pretty good team, yeah. even if Auburn is better and playing at home. Um, NFL stuff, yeah, man. Look, I had I had Bills Chiefs as the AFC Championship. As much as I love Joe Burrow and think the Bengals are really good. I just thought that the Bills were better this year. But no, man, going into Buffalo and winning that game the way they did, they proved a lot of people wrong, myself included. Uh, It was a lot of fun to watch. Joe Burrow is an absolute monster, and as long as he has a halfway decent team around him, they're going to have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. And and here we are in his third year. He's in his second AFC championship, a chance to make it to his second straight Super Bowl. Uh, So Joe Burrow and uh, uh, whoever – Whoever they face in the Super Bowl, assuming they make it, obviously got to play the Chiefs first. But and just just a fun weekend of NFL football. Um, yeah, and looking forward to to more of the same. And I guess talking about Auburn and football and all that other good stuff. And someone other than me talk now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say it, it was great football up until the last play of the last game last night. My goodness, that what do you what was supposed to happen? Is my question. What I don't know. I think it all goes according to plan and you just absolutely screw up the the defense's brains, whatever. Everything goes exactly like it's supposed to. What was supposed to happen? Cuz I didn't I didn't see anybody coming around for the lateral and I thought the guy who caught the ball turned up field. So here, okay. We, I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott snapped the ball and then just got trucked. Got Zeke Elliott playing center. Yeah. What so are we doing? Could this happen to anyone other than the Dallas Cowboys? Is my is the uh, real question there? Oh boy. I, I think so. Let, let's go ahead and start this commentary. I was going to start with Auburn basketball. Let's start with this commentary. So, how it turned out is one of the most laughable plays in a long time okay and again dallas for the second straight year in the row in a row clock management at the end of the game leaves a lot to be desired here's what i will say though okay i'm not going to go full send on criticism of this and here's why was it executed poorly sure were there some things that they probably uh, should have thought through more there sure but here's something i've asked um with really no good answer to that i've heard if you have a play at the last play of a game where you know it's going to be the running round and lateral time. Yeah, your your lateral hill. Why do people send five offensive linemen out there? I mean, th- this is an honest question I have. Is I'm not saying you snap the ball with a running back. Okay, you still need a couple offensive linemen. But seriously, why do you not minimize the amount of people that can run with the football? Right. Because, oh, absolutely. Because fair. usually teams still to do the same format, five offensive linemen, a quarterback, and then they'll have five skill position players. 
and then they'll run around and then you see some big dude in the middle accidentally get thrown the ball and he can barely move and so he tries to flip it as soon as he can and 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 then it starts to go off the rails but why not have more than five skill position players out there and only have two or three offensive linemen so i'm watching a replay now just because i wanted to try and answer my own question they do have five offensive linemen out there They're, they're split out at wide receiver and so i think the plan was get the wide receiver the ball and have a caravan blocking for him on the outside which you do a lot on screens it's just rather than uh rather than have the tackle run from his usual the tackles and guards run from their usual spots in the middle of the field just line them up outside anyway because you know you're putting the ball in the air you don't have to block anybody what which is what makes that sillier to me because then what is Elliot doing in the middle of the field playing center playing center and, and yeah. so but I, I still guess had to, the to lineman have, out there to have him out there to have Ezekiel Elliott out there in case he he gets the ball in his hands which is fair I don't know I the thing is Zach Mar I think it's Zach Martin is the guy who who's supposed to have the guy that made the uh-huh. tackle that guy's just a way better athlete right. linemen don't operate well in space even even ones like Zach Martin who are just some of the best in the world. I love Zach Martin. He's he's a. I saw a stat on Zach Martin. He has more first team All Pro selections than he does career holding penalties. The dude's insane. That's insane. But fat, fat guys don't operate well in space. It's, <laughs> we we just that, don't. We saw that on the kick six. Yeah, exactly. And so I I mean I tried to go over all the different scenarios why where it may not be legal <laughs> to have less than five offensive linemen or that sort of thing because okay there used to be the thing in the NFL by number. Certain positions had to wear certain numbers. Yeah. Well, that's not true anymore. That mm-hmm. that got rid of uh, that last year, and now you see all sorts of single-digit numbers and that sort of thing. And that obviously, is. if Ezekiel Elliott's snapping a football with a number 21, there's no number requirement there. So I'm, not, I'm just trying to figure out why no one's ever thought to have only two or three offensive yeah. linemen and have a bunch of athletic skill players running yeah. around. Well, the, the guys who play offensive line still have to have numbers between 50 and 79. That is still true in the NFL. That's true at every level of football, uh, except for some private school leagues don't require that, um, that, I, that I have seen. But... You but still, do you have to have five of those out there? Because again, you don't have to have five of them out there, but you do have to have a certain number of people on the line of scrimmage and in sure. the backfield. Sure, but again, if those players, again, if Elliott can snap the ball, and then, which would for all the world be an offensive lineman position, yes, I I, I know the rules on on the legal formations and legal formations, and you got to have a, a balanced line to some degree, and you got to have people on the line. But I'm just. I, again, I'm just I'm not. Why, why not take out one of your tackles right, and, add, and, and add a wide receiver? Yeah, and maybe it would be of your opinion that it just wouldn't work. But like, how many times do do you use blockers on the old flip around play? Like, I'm not <laughs> saying you have zero offense linemen, just maybe two or three, one the snap and one or two others. But it's like I feel like you should maximize the amount of players and skill positions that you have. I don't know. All I'm saying is Dallas had the beginnings of an interesting thought to their play they just then executed it and looked as foolish as possible with their difference uh, or with their different end of game play at the end of the day it's a percentage play that's under one percent i mean one percent it's right. probably even a lower right. percentage player than an onside kick dak dak but, cannot throw a football 80 yards right. in the air yeah. I think that was just a that was one of those things that probably looked good in theory, but then once you put it on the field, it's like mm, okay, maybe, maybe let's scrap that one. Well, and then it goes to the next question: is was that actually practiced? 
And if it was practice, oh, it has wh- to be right. What what happened in practice that made it look like that might be a good idea, or was it clearly a bad idea and they just did it anyway? Yeah, is is it just what you have? You know, you don't want to you want to run something different that people have never seen because people have seen the hook and ladder at right. this point. Like so. I've thought about stupid, goofy stuff at the end of the game where I like get make a huddle around the guy with the ball and he's like within a circle and you're just trying to like the replacement <laughs> just style. The wedge. Just run a wedge. You know when they're they're all throwing up in the huddle because they eat they ate a bunch of raw eggs before <laughs> uh, the football game and the in the replacements with Keanu Reeves and the whole everyone's thrown up so they just move the huddle all over the field like. Something goofy where the ball carries in the middle of a huddle and you're just trying to move them all down the field. I don't know. It's a, such a low percentage play. It's honestly like who cares at that moment. But <laughs> Dallas still found a way to be laughable in their final play selection. They didn't get. Out, but before that, they didn't execute things. They didn't get out of bounds. Uh, they yeah, there was there was the a lot of at all. Yeah, awareness uh, issues. I think. And uh, you're right, Tom. That was. Uh, Football's good to varying degrees, but then Dallas cooks something up for us at the at the very end of uh, of the divisional weekend that uh, is going to be very memorable. I still, for what it's worth, I don't think it's bad. I saw this on on social media as the uh, Colts fake punt from a few years ago. That's still oh, an all time. Have you have you heard Pat McAfee telling that story though about how that play was so. never supposed to be run? That play uh-huh. was. But the guy who was playing center didn't get the memo that that play wasn't supposed to actually happen. Uh-huh. So when he snapped the ball, the guy who's taking the ball goes, "This shouldn't be happening." And right. then that's that's why that play doesn't work. But that's still yeah. all timer snapping yeah. it with three linemen standing over one person. Mm. It's like I don't know what else is supposed to go on there. But uh, so not snap the ball, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like try to draw them off sides is what that was supposed to do. So but. I still don't think it's that bad, but uh, still. A uh, very rough way to end things for uh, for Dallas, and uh, that's been the case for the last so oh, I don't know twenty eight or twenty nine years at, at <laughs> this point. Going to take our first time out of the show when we come back. Of course, we're going to get into Auburn basketball in a little bit. We've got uh, birthdays and sports coming up, and your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Sports Call. Hopefully everyone out there having a better Monday and not being flattened like Zeke Elliott was on the last play of the game that we were just talking about between Dallas and San Francisco. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, that's that's honestly... Is that the is that the worst part of that play or is the worst part being caught eight yards from the line of scrimmage? No, I, th- I, th- I think the worst is... is- what makes it comical is not the fact that it didn't work. It's the fact that Zeke Elliott, your right. running back, is snapping the ball and then just getting blowed up. Yeah. In case <laughs> anyone was wondering if they could block a 
I don't even think that was a line. I think it was a linebacker. Yeah, that was a linebacker coming on, just kind of coming on a blitz, which Zeke Elliott should know how to pick up a blitzing linebacker. Right, running back. He's done that before. (laughs) So I don't know, man. That was a uh, that was a rough way for the Cowboys to go out, and uh, certainly something uh, funny to poke fun at. We will talk more uh, pro football here in just a little bit, but now it's time for birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports today. I'm going to let Brant handle the sheet today. Brant, what we got? I have the sheet and I have the birthdays. We have turning 28 today is Daniel Carlson, current kicker for the Las Vegas Raiders. He was selected in the fifth round of the 2018 NFL draft out of Auburn University by the Minnesota Vikings and was released during his rookie season. In 2022, or excuse me, in 2021, he joined the Las Vegas Raiders and was a 2022 All-Pro. He's a two-time NFL scoring leader. He set an NFL record in 2022 for most 50-plus yard field goals in a single season with 11. At Auburn, he was a two-time SEC Special Teams Player of the Year, three-time second-team All-American, and three-time All-SEC. Daniel Carlson turns 28 today. Legatron. Legatron. And the whole thing with the Minnesota Vikings is that they they crapped all over him and cut him because he had one game that he struggled. Yeah, he had two, one yeah. or the two. Was it two? Yeah. He went through a quick little struggle and the right. Vikings cut him, but then now he's gotten with the Raiders and yeah. has he, turned into one of the most clutch kickers in all of NFL. What's hilarious to me is as good as Daniel Carlson was, I remember hearing about this a couple years ago, as good as he was at Auburn, he never kicked a game-winning field goal at Auburn. And then he goes to Vegas, and it seems like he's kicking one every other week. It's really impressive what Daniel Carlson's been able to do. Another former Auburn player, Nick Fairley, turns 35 today. Former NFL defensive tackle, selected 13th overall in the 2011 draft by the Detroit Lions out of Auburn. He also played for the Rams and Saints. At Auburn, he was a 2010 consensus All-American, 2010 All-SEC, 2010 SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He also won the Lombardi Award and the 2010 BCS National Championship. Pretty solid defensive tackle. Erased a lot of other... uh, Erased a lot of other shortcomings for that Auburn defense, I think. Aaron Murray's mother still hates him. Yeah, he does. <laughs> she does. Excuse me. Well, Aaron, Aaron does too. Aaron sure. Aaron Murray is not a big fan either. But the ma- mama went on. Mama went yeah. on quite a rant. After like that seven game. years later, yeah. it's hilarious. Turning 33 today is Levante David. He's a backup linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was selected 58th overall in 2012 by the Bucks out of Nebraska. He was a Super Bowl 55 champion. 2013 first-team All-Pro. He's a two-time second-team All-Pro. He was in the 2015 Pro Bowl. He was the 2012 PFWA All-Rookie Team at Nebraska. He was 2011 Big Ten Linebacker of the Year, 2010 Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, two-time All-American, two-time All-Big Ten, and 2010 first-team All-Big 12. Levante David turns 33 today. Did that say backup? It does say backup. He is no, not a backup. No, excuse me, excuse me. I did not. I did not, don't know why I said backup. He is... Does not say back. Gotcha, gotcha. I was about to say he has started all nine years. And it's years, just so. just your standard inside starting <laughs> line. Right, right, right. Gotcha. All right. And our last birthday today, Larry Hughes turns 40, 44. Former NBA shooting guard selected eighth overall in 1998 by the 76ers out of St. Louis. He was a member of the 2005 All Defensive NBA team. He was the steals leader in the NBA in 2005. He also played for the Warriors, Wizards, Cavaliers, Bulls, Knicks, Bobcats, and the Orlando Magic. Larry Hughes turns 44 today. Those are your birthdays in sports. Daniel Carlson turns 28. Nick Fairley turns 35. Levante David turns 33. And Larry Hughes turns 44. Birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. 
Again, with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. All right. Uh, with that, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to give us a call today. First up on the Auburn Bank phone line, we have... Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us. Tony, how are you doing? Fine. How you all doing? Doing well. I hear y'all talking about my cowboys. I think a lot of people are talking about your cowboys right now, Tony. You know what, though? That offensive coordinator, he's talking about waiting on a job. I don't have a head coaching job. He ought to be just like Neil O'Brien at Alabama sitting up in the stand. You, uh, you, you don't want Mike McCarthy anymore? Uh, 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 come on, um, the, uh, Kellen Moore. Oh, yeah, the offensive coordinator. You don't want Kellen Moore anymore. Offensive coordinator, yeah. Man, you got in short situations a guy like that. I would do. I would have been doing them just like uh, Tampa Bay, New England did. Tampa Bay, the guy he'll make a pass downfield every now and then, but give him some six, seven yard pass and move the sticks. Right. I mean, trying to throw the ball downfield. And then he can't read the de- he can't read the defense. Bad man, I never played pro football. He'll down, if I almost said something. He'll throw the ball dead too. A yeah, I also would have liked to see them, Tony. I would also like to see him run the ball a little bit more too. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, as, as I was saying, I he try to run it. You know, two three seconds late in the field wide on. Right. But um, and, and, and in retrospect, he just ain't a franchise quarterback to me. They won't win until they get him a, a, a quarterback. And get rid of Ezekiel Elliott. They talking about he getting better, but you know, yeah, I think he's too old for the game now. Right. And I knew, yeah, and I knew once Tony Pollard had got injured, that was the end of it. And uh, but Jerry Jones, you know, he get on him. Seems as if every time they get a good offensive line and get good play, and they sell him or trade them. So you know. But anyway, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not disappointed, but I'm real sad. I've been a Cowboy fan since the 70s. Sure. Yeah. And it's but anyway, um, they deserve whatever being, whatever being said until they get rid of Dak and get a quarterback. Uh, I didn't know. I don't know why they didn't draft, get, get somebody like Matt Jones or Somebody like that. Them, them young guys, they can read defense. They know where to throw the ball. They make very few mistakes. They don't. They don't beat themselves. Well, you know, I, I still think now. He, the the discourse around Dak is going to be interesting because he clearly has a ceiling that prevents him from being an elite quarterback in the league. I think he's still a solid quarterback, though. I don't think he's awful. I don't think he's bad. Uh, and but if you was a, if you was an owner, which, if you was a coach or an owner, would you start him? I, if I would start him, yeah, I think he's still one of the 15 or 20 best quarterbacks in the league. I think well, he, 15 or 20. Right. So I'm saying half the league doesn't have a quarterback as good as him. So where are you going to necessarily guarantee a better quarterback than him? 
don't got don't got last night out on. What do you? Uh, Iowa State, yeah, Brock Purdy. Look, man, I, I take a quarterback like that. That guy didn't look, he didn't look rattled. And a quarterback like that, don't get rattled, don't show no frustration. Guys look the same the whole game. That's the type of guy. That's the type of guy I want. Well, and Purdy's certainly off to a great start in his NFL career. Uh, but two things on him: one, nobody knew he'd be good. That was I, honestly that was pure luck that San Francisco uh, got with him. Because by the way, he was their third string quarterback this year. If no one gets hurt, he never plays for them this year. So in a lot of ter- in a lot of ways, it was just blind dumb luck that he's ended up in the position he is. And that's no offense to him. I mean, he's given the opportunity that he's given, but uh, they had no idea he would he would be like this. Nor did anyone else in the league. He was the last pick of the draft and then secondly this is only i i, I want to pump the brakes a little bit this is only eight or nine games dak has had stretches of Six eight or nine games. right well i'm factoring in the postseason too yeah but the, yeah. did the, you see where he went to alabama and nick Saban say was too small he didn't have the arm strength and something else said three things he said about it right I, I did see that, and so I, I just want to just pump the brakes in the fact that Brock Purdy, he might end up being an awesome quarterback, okay? But we can't be sure because I've seen other quarterbacks go on runs like this too and end up being very average themselves. So as great as he's been, uh, this is not any criticism of anything he's done so far. This is still a pretty small sample size, and it's not yeah, for certain but, he's going to be awesome. Well, and I was going to say, Brock Purdy also has a hell of a team around but, him but, as well. But until that time comes, I can show, take and appreciate what, what he's doing now. Sure. If I'm San Francisco. Sure, absolutely. He's been great for them, no doubt. Yeah. All right, then. I'm calling. Um, y'all have a good week, and thanks for taking my call. Oh, always, Tony. We appreciate you calling in. That is uh, Tony from Tuskegee there. On our Auburn Bank phone line, not uh, not thrilled with Cowboys loss. He is a Cowboys fan. There's a lot of Cowboys fans, yeah. still America's team. Yeah, but, I mean, it's one of those things. We look at what is happening right now, but, come on, honestly, if you were if you were just several weeks into the season and you go, all right, hey, guys, would you rather start <laughs> Brock Purdy or would you rather start Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott? Like, uh, yeah, Dak. Right. Yeah. Now, and, until – Four or five weeks ago, yeah, yeah, very, very easily the answer. I think the thing with guys like Dak is always going to be these guys are average to slightly above average quarterbacks. They're getting paid to be elite quarterbacks. And there was a whole contract thing with Dak a couple of years ago where there was a holdout and there was a franchise tag and it was just like, what is Dak actually worth? And the Cowboys wanted to pay him, but they were also trying to haggle a little bit as they, they have every right to do. And the issue is, is that the for whatever reason, and we could go on for a full hour about trying to break <laughs> down the contracts of quarterbacks and why this is this way, but for whatever reason, it's quarterbacks that are like 10 through 20 in the NFL oftentimes that get these biggest contracts. Mm-hmm. They're able to kind of strong arm their franchises into saying, well, I know I'm not elite, but... I'm good, and I've given you moments. Can you really do better than me? And a lot of yeah. times, the answer is no. And when that answer is no, you get these unbelievable $30, 35000000 a year contracts, 
And then you realize, again, this is the 12th or 14th, or you know, if you talk someone like Ryan Tannehill, the 19th best quarterback in the league, making the sixth most money or the third most money. And it doesn't really add up. And a lot of times, I, I, I really should go find a list of all the, the quarterback salaries here because a lot of the times, the top five to ten quarterbacks in the league are making like the ninth most money or the twelfth most money. They're making twenty to twenty-five million, but they understand that the team around them's got to get paid too. So they get a big contract at some point, and then they might take a, a scotch less here and there. Meanwhile, Jared Goff's of the world <laughs> get forty million dollars or thirty-five million dollars a year. And they look, Jared Goff had a great year, by the yeah. way. But still, no one's going to rank him as a top five or six quarterback in the league, but he's paid like one. And so that's where the criticism kind of comes in with Dak. I don't think Dak's a bad quarterback at all, but I also think we've seen the last couple of years that his ceiling does not allow him, enable him to be an elite quarterback in this league. He is not going to be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Hell, look at someone in his division like Jalen Hurts. Hurts has played better than Dak which is surprising, but it's happened. And so that's where the discourse has to go at some point is, okay, if you paid Dak Prescott to be a top five or six quarterback in the league, it's going to be a little harsher, the criticism of him, when it's not. And he, I believe he led the league in interceptions this year. If he doesn't, if he didn't, he was up there. After He missed a couple of games as well, too, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's had the injuries. I think he threw like 14 picks this year. Yeah. And so he did that, and then he threw two more in San Francisco in a game which was very much old school, lower scoring, possessions matter, field position matters. I know they had Brett Maher field goal angst early Mm -hmm. in that game, and then he made a couple, but one of those was down at the 20-yard line. That that took at least an opportunity for three away, and again, you're talking about a one-score game. So, again, there's always a balance to all this. But the reality is Dak is paid on America's team to be an elite quarterback. And he's not. And he is not an elite quarterback. He is a decent, he is solid, above-average NFL quarterback. But he's not great. And he's had limitations. I think it's really funny how in modern football, quarterback is by far the most position, perhaps the most important position in all of sports, and we've still found a way to overvalue it. Um, At least in certain cases. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... You, you look at, I think you're right, it's a guy has given you moments. How are you going to do any better than me? You better fight to keep me because there are not that many people better than me. And that's true. And while you need a good quarterback to win a Super Bowl, and at the end of the day, that's the goal. You need a quarterback that is capable of doing that. And I think Dak Prescott can win a Super Bowl. Jimmy Gar- he's a, I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo should have a Super Bowl. Uh, it, it's, man... The fact that you can have this guy who's so kind of middling in his position, he's good. He's like a pitcher with an ERA of 3.5. You know, good, better than average, but still not the, not, ace. Not the ace. He's not He's not the best, you know, but he's still getting paid like it. And that's very interesting to me that that's just where we are in football today. So let's do this. I, I just found the list. Cap hits for 2023 okay and these by the way cap hits are a little different than salaries okay so this is not necessarily what that individual makes this year although it's what's counting against the salary cap but i want to name the top 10 here i think this is very important 
because some of these don't add up. And granted, I know someone like Burrow is, I think, the last year of his rookie deal or something, right. so he's not going to be on here. But let's, he's, he's about to get paid. Let's they've sa- still got him for cheap right, right now. Let's, let's sound this out. All right. The highest cap hit in the league this year, would you like to guess it? Was it Matt Ryan? <laughs> he's in the top. <laughs> 10 but not I, I know for for Atlanta he was I know that there was a time in Atlanta where he and Julio Jones were like yeah. half of the cap hit and they didn't even play for the team anymore uh still plays for the team uh yeah plays for the team they're, they're counting against yeah um but very notable was in the news a lot this offseason oh um uh, from the Texans. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Oh, Deshaun Watson. Okay. I, for some reason, I had Deshaun Murray in my head. I was like, it's not $54.9 million yeah. is what he counted against the Browns this year. Obviously did not play like the top quarterback right. in the league, but he was paid like. Number two in the NFL cap hit this year was Dak Prescott. Oh, wow. Did not play like the second best quarterback. No. Number three was Patrick Mahomes, 46.7. All right, he plays he's, to he's his value. It. He's that's, earned it. That's where he should be. Josh Allen, fourth, 39.7. All right, that Fair. makes sense. But then here we go on a run again. All right, we've just gone through. Okay, let me get a fifth. Fifth is Ryan Tannehill, 36.6 million. There's no world. No. He's a top five quarterback or even top ten. And so here, here we are. We're five quarterbacks deep. I think if you're talking in the NFL, if you're five quarterbacks in, based on performance this year, you'll have Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, yeah. and – I don't know. Someone else, Rodgers, Brady. I know not this year Rodgers and Brady were great, but overall from their last few years, Rodgers won MVP last year. Brady was second. Those would be some sort your top sure. five and what you would think they would earn. But you only heard two of them in there. So let's keep going. Sixth, Kirk Cousins. Uh, had a great regular yeah. season, but not the sixth best quarterback in the NFL. $36.2 million. Seventh, Matt Ryan. Again, got benched for Sam Ellinger, which is a bad decision, but that's a thing that happened this sure. year. Time for him to retire, I think. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, he was on, uh, what, NFL Today, I think. He was. On, he made some TV yeah, appearance. Yeah, he was on CBS. Yeah, so I think that's next for him. Eighth was Tom Brady. One-day contract with the Falcons. $35.1 million. You can live with that. Probably played like about the eighth to tenth best quarterback right. in the league this year. Ninth, Derek Carr. Got mm-hmm. benched at the end of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. $34.8 Stiddy. million. Got benched for Jared Stidham. And then 10th was Aaron Rodgers, 31.6. 11th, Goff, $30 million is 11th, by the way. Carson Wentz, 12th, did not start the majority of the year at Washington. 13th, Russell Wilson was awful. Wow. I got a, He has an even bigger contract. This is why, again, cap hits. Russell Wilson would be higher than 13th in future years, but $22 million this year. Matt Stafford, 14th. Kyler Murray, 15th. So notables in the bottom half. That I think you would take over a lot of these guys. Notables in the bottom half: Joe Burrow, eighteenth, eleven point five million; oh. Trevor Lawrence, twentieth, ten million; Tua Tagovailoa, twenty-first, nine point six million. Played very well without the concussions. Justin Herbert, twenty-fourth, and yeah. cap hit at eight point four million. Um, even guys of good value. I don't love the way he's played. Mac Jones, twenty-ninth, and cap hit. By the way, I, I almost missed this. I'm glad I didn't. Twenty-eighth. Probably is going to finish top three in MVP voting. Jalen Hurts is yeah. 28th this year, $4.7 million. So that's my point, is I just named you as many of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league this year. And the bottom 10 of NFL starters and cap hits, as I did the top 10. And so that's the issue here, is you've got, again, guys in the top 10, like Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott. 
all not factoring in really to the top 10 the NFL this year at the QB position all in the top 10 in cap hits that's where it goes wrong that's where the criticisms come in and again Dak Prescott at 40, 49 million again Oof. there's levels to this he's not a bad quarterback all of a sudden but he's not the second best quarterback yeah. in the league where's Justin Fields on that Justin Fields, I believe, was 26 okay. or 7. 26. Yeah. The, the, guys, the guy's still on their rookie deal. Right. I'll be interested to see what happens when they get to contract number two because we just established, like, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to get freaking paid. Yeah. Right? And he's going to deserve every dime of it for what he's done in helping the Bengals turn it around. But I'm wondering, like, how big is he going to want that contract to be? Because part of why he's so good is because he's got a guy like Jamar Chase around him. Right. And Jamar Chase will be on is, a rookie deal, yeah, too. also going to – command a, a large second contract so that'll be very interesting to follow uh just for the record before we get a break here for the final time of the hour they list about 56 quarterbacks here on spot track uh was tracking the salaries the 52nd biggest cap hit in the league this year is brock purdy as mm-hmm. you can imagine eight hundred and eighty-nine thousand. who's 53 who's the lowest paid quarterback that is is worth well, mentioning here's the bottom four i don't know who this person is who's 53rd nice chase garbers don't know who that is. I tied we're that at the break. Tied there. I do know who these two are, but this is going to make you laugh. Anthony Brown, who was Baltimore's third string, nice. Who ended up starting at the end because of Tyler Huntley, and then Danny Etling, Green Bay, eight hundred seventy thousand dollars. Okay, gold Danny Etling. Danny Etling is still playing in the NFL. I suppose. I also want to put a caveat: if Chase Garbers is not actually on a current roster, remember these are cap hits for this year. So they could have been cut last year he, and factored into this year. Chase Garbers is active. He is the third straight – well, now the backup for the okay. Las Vegas Raiders. He was 53rd. He was a rookie this season. He was paid 19000 less than Brock Purdy this year. Nice. For everyone's knowledge. Skyler Thompson was 51st, by the way. So, anyway. Played at Cal. There was a uh, – there's a discrepancy there. Pretty That's good at Cal, Also, too. by the way – I know we got to get a break, but that's also why I was so high – on what the Chargers were doing roster building wise because Justin Herbert again reminder was the 24th highest paid QB in the league or 24th biggest cap pit in the league this year that gives you a window that's unique where you don't have to pay a guy that should make 30 or 40 million dollars you don't have to pay him anywhere close to it and Chargers coaches prevented them from succeeding but Mm. GM wise they did a good job roster building they tried to take advantage of his window while he didn't make a lot that's what you kind of got to do. You got to kind of strike gold in some of these young guys. All right, final timeout of hour number one. We'll wrap up our hour number one in just a moment. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 few minutes of hour number one here on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here. Just had a good chat with Tony from Tuskegee and then 
After that, chatted a little NFL quarterback salary. You know, just millions of dollars that we won't ever make. Just good. that sort of thing. Uh, so having a good time here on this Monday. A few minutes left for the end of the first hour. Let's talk a little Auburn basketball again. Our thoughts from the victory in Columbia. Of course, Tom, they played two games since the last time you were on air. They also went to LSU and won by a double digits. What have you thought from uh, that week of Auburn basketball? Uh, they've taken care of business. And that, that's the biggest thing. Is that that's that's two games that they should have won, and so and they have. They they have taken care of the business that they needed to. Uh, both on the run, on the road. Uh, this last game, uh, really impressed with Janai Broom. He was a guy that uh, we had been saying really needed to step that game back up. Uh, it felt like they were starting to try to rely on a little bit too many threes. Uh, Jalen Williams was having some great games, but it was one of those like you you got to have that inside force. And and Janai Broom was that he did that was scoring twenty seven points, eleven rebounds. Uh, in that South Carolina game, 12 of 17 shooting. That's the kind of stuff that you got to have from him. Uh, and then you go and look at it. Uh, you know, they only attempted 17. It's still kind of getting up there number wise on the amount of threes. Obviously, Auburn's going to attempt threes. Uh, you know, they only hit seven or hit three of 17. So it shows you they don't need to be shooting a lot of threes. So having Janai Broom. Uh, that was big. Wendell Green uh, at the point had had some amazing passes. Uh, just, they took care of business. But now it's about to get really tough. And, and that's one thing Bruce Pearl talked about is they took care of what they needed to do. They didn't overlook anybody. They, they respected the teams they were playing. But they also understood that talent-wise, they are better than who they were playing. But now as we start moving forward, it's going to get a little bit more challenging. And it starts with Texas A&M who is a pretty darn good team coming in here Wednesday. Yeah, the the play of Janai Broom and Wendell Green is kind of what makes this game was kind of what makes this team go right now. Um, I think Wendell has only had two or three really bad games all season and in two of those games Auburn lost. So that that's that kind of shows you how important he is. Uh, and right now he's on. And as long as he can stay on, I think Auburn's got a good chance to win every game they play. But uh, it's going to be tough to keep up the level of play he's at. It's, it's been astounding. And uh, then you have Janai Broom, like you said, Tom, it, probably the best game of his college career. Yeah. Um, South Carolina just didn't have anything for him. They tried to guard him with a, an older, more experienced guy who was 6'5", and Janai just ate him up all night. <laughs> and then they tried to put in some younger guys that had a little more size, and they couldn't do anything about it. And You know, it, something I've, I've noticed with Janai is – he doesn't look super coordinated. He is not the most athletic guy. He's not going to ever jump out of the gym. He mostly just uses his size as far as a height or, or getting up for rebounds and stuff like that. But he had some some alley-oops in this game where it, it was probably the most athletic he's looked right. uh, since he got to Auburn, at least I think. So that was a, a really interesting – just doesn't really matter that much because he's winning either way. But he, he just – he wins – most of his battles with technique and skill not being the more athletic player, at least nine times out of ten. But uh, he, he got to show off a little bit against South Carolina, against guys that couldn't match up with him, and that was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Auburn had uh, – you know, we had talked about it, especially I guess it was the Ole Miss game where uh, Ole Miss dominated them in the paint. Was it Ole Miss or who was that? Uh, Mississippi State. Was it Mississippi? Maybe it was Mississippi, uh, Mississippi yeah. State. Totally that's Smith. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. Yeah, it, that what it, that's what it was. Mississippi. I had the I had the state right, just wrong school. Right. Uh, but we talked about how Mississippi State it really kind of dominated Auburn on the inside in all the categories of inside play. Mississippi State 
owned Auburn on that. And we talked about Auburn cannot – that's not a good recipe for success with Auburn. They have to succeed on the inside because they're a very poor three-point shooting team. Well, again, South Carolina, points in the paint, 46 for Auburn, 20 for South Carolina. That's the type of lopsided points in the paint that Auburn has to rely on because, again, you only hit three of 17 threes. So you've got to get it worked inside. You got to get those point the the paint uh, points in the paint. You got to get those second half points, especially you know tip backs, you know putbacks and things like that. That's where Auburn's going to have success moving forward. Yeah, the South Carolina team um, they were bad. bad. They suck a lot. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, except for well, no, except Gigi, for Gigi Jackson, Gigi Jackson is a Jackson, very good player. Gigi Jackson was one of the top players in the country when he was the top player. The in the top player for next year. I told this last week, yeah. was committed to North Carolina, reclassified, then went to South Carolina. Great decision on his part. And uh, right. and now, uh, so he's a, gr- a great player. He's going to be drafted in the NBA. He's going to be right. one and done. Uh, I think I've looked up some mocks that had him in the 20s. So he, he's going to go to the NBA. Uh, he dropped 30. But, and he had 30. But, again, as a whole, this team is awful. Uh, and I've got other things to talk about this game. We are out of time for this hour. But – what told me this team was awful more than anything else was going to half. Lamont Paris, the head coach of South Carolina, there was just this wild sequence at the end of the half, and Auburn scored, and I think Auburn was up double digits at half. And this team down, again, double digits at half. Lamont Paris welcomes them off the court. Yeah, they were down 39-22, and he was smiling and laughing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know – what you know again you can have a positive attitude that sort of thing but when you're smiling down 17 at the half i don't think that we're taking it very very seriously this year in columbia south carolina there was a lot wrong uh with south carolina's basketball team so uh, that kind of told me where they're at in the year that they were smiling being down 17 at the half out of time for hour number one when we come back more on auburn basketball more on the national football league best and worst of the weekend in hour number three and retired ward mc will join us in just a moment stay tuned more sports call in a couple minutes one hour of our show is in the books we've got more to come stay tuned for another hour of sports call right after the break since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Start of hour number two here on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy with you here. I've got Tom TV and Brant Dontry with me as we continue on this Monday edition of Sports Hall, recapping all things Auburn basketball over the weekend, maybe a little SEC basketball as a whole if we get to it, and also these NFL playoffs that continue to transpire now on to the conference championship week. No neutral site game in Atlanta 
So no AFC Championship game there on a neutral site. Uh, Love what Joe Burrow said after the game. Though. Oh yeah, uh, guess you or refund. Yeah, yeah. somebody. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I guess you guys are going to have to get your refunds. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to go too much into this here, but I will say um, there was more people, more analysts in the NFL, like the Rich Eisens of the world, that I was prepared to see talk about how it was very important that there was not actually a neutral site AFC championship game. You don't want to give the league any ideas yeah. on starting to have conference mm-hmm. championships on neutral sites too. And I just, I didn't really think about that. And maybe that's me being naive, but uh, once they started to talk about it, I was like, wow, that, this is actually, I mean, they know what they're talking about. If the, if this happens, the league, <laughs> the ever, ever wanting of money NFL, uh, definitely could have been something they looked at. So I'm again. I think the Super Bowl should be on a neutral site. I think it's great. I think it's a great event. But we don't need to start having that seep yeah. into the uh, the other playoff series too. Also, how you know, honestly, getting into, I know they had to do what they had to do this time, but like Atlanta for a AFC Championship game. Why? 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 That's an NFC place. Yeah. There's only NFC people there other than a few northern transplants no one in atlanta is gonna be like oh yeah you know i mean i i get it i get it's the nfl so anyone would be excited just to go to an nfl game i get that but i'm just saying there's not a bunch of afc fans in atlanta it would be the same thing like if i went up to uh you know green bay or something there's not gonna be a lot of people caring about the afc right green bay is gonna want to stick it to the giants or stick it to the vikings or you know care about these classic NFC franchises they don't i mean joe burrow's great they don't care well, relatively speaking sure that and also the fact that if it had been kc or buffalo you're talking about two iconic places, two outdoor stadiums right. where you're going to be in the elements. You just saw that with Buffalo, even though they got they got beat. It was a snow game, and and to me that's beautiful. That's football, and it's that that's like football in its purest form. It's just it's outside, it's gritty, it's cold, it's snowing. You could have had that in Buffalo. You could have had that in Kansas City, but they were going to have to play in a sterile dome environment. And it's just like, pff, come on. No, I I, I will be the resident defender of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The stadium is fantastic. Sterile is not the word I would use to describe it, but compared to an outdoor stadium, yeah, I mean, sterile. Compare like if you want a snow game, you're not going to get it in Atlanta, obviously. But I I think that I think it's a good thing to play the to play to not have a neutral site championship game like this. Um, Obviously, the Super Bowl being a neutral site is great. I think that every NFL stadium kind of gets to rotate that. It is a good thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to see it because I, we're close to Atlanta, and I would have been very tempted to go to that game. And I have never seen either of those two teams play, and I would love to, uh, especially I, while they're this good. Again, to be clear, my criticism would be not of this particular year, right, obviously. Extenuating right. circumstances. I just think in hindsight now, it's probably a good thing that it didn't happen for what the future might right. hold. Yeah. Because if they do hold it, Kansas City and Buffalo fans are rabid. They'd still travel, and I guess that's oh, yeah. the point they, here. Oh, yeah, they would so definitely pack that stadium ca- Counteracting my, my point of no one really cares about, you know, no one cares about those AFC teams in Atlanta. Well, they'd still travel and invade the place anyway, and they'd, they'd still sell out. So I get that. It'd be like a Super Bowl. Obviously, a Super Bowl is not usually the host team, even though it's happened the last two years. But, you know, I, I get that part of it. I'm just saying you don't need to make everything, and I know the league – tries to 
but you know I need to make everything a money grab. And some of these places <laughs> are historic venues. And look, Atlanta is going to be a great place to host Super Bowl. Um, it, it hosts national championship games in college. It is a great venue. But at the same time, if it's not the Falcons in the NFC, that nor any other neutral site should be taking place there unless, again, this very extenuating circumstance. Do you, do you think that there's a sense of NFC versus AFC pride? Because that's something I've never really detected as a football fan. Like, you you want to win your division, right? The three, three, the three teams that you play twice a year, absolutely, those are legitimate rivalries nine times out of ten. But I feel like as far as AFC versus NFC, it's not like SEC versus Big Ten or anything like that. No, I, I think it, in fact, would work the inverted, where you'd probably, you might, if you're a strong proponent of a successful NFC or AFC team, like, I, I, Brooks might be a good person to ask about this because the Patriots went for millions of years. But <laughs> I would anticipate even someone like, say, Indianapolis or Pittsburgh, who's not in the Patriots division, I bet you he wouldn't really want to see them win either because they play each other in playoffs mm. probably six or seven times over a 15-year span. So it actually might work the invert. But what I would just say is the true hate and disdain stays usually in your conference there's yeah. not many cross unless it's like giants jets there's not going to be many crossover disdain teams for a different conference it's going to be why i say oh you know georgia as a whole probably not going to care too much the what's going on in the afc well that's just because in in general i would feel falcons fans are going to hate the bucks the panthers the saints and then maybe whoever Tom Brady plays for. If he, go, if he goes play for the Raiders next year or whatever, they're going to hate Tom, Tom Brady's team. But that, that's about it. You know, they're, they're, they have no reason to hate most of the AFC team. Same thing, like, for me as a Bucs fan. Why would, why would Bucs people hate any AFC teams? You know, especially, especially the franchises around here that are less historic. You know, maybe you have some run-ins back in the 70s or 80s with some historic franchises from cross-conferences. You know, maybe Bills fans don't like Cowboys fans, for example. But... Uh, with does all anybody like Cowboys fans? Well, that's true. Probably no one does. <laughs> but you know, sorry, Tony. All the NFC South teams and most of the AFC South teams are in our geographic region here. They don't have much history to them. They don't have a lot of reason to hate teams outside of their own conference. Certainly outside of their or own division. So, uh, but interesting though. I, I again back to the original point. Uh, just don't want to see even more neutral sites here. You've already got. Uh, you get great home environments. It's an advantage. It's a reward for being a great team throughout the year. And also, it's not like it's unfair advantage. We've seen the road team win several times before. Even recently, the road teams have won. So uh, it's it's not unfair. It's just a little reward. And there's uh, great, obviously, atmospheres involved as well here. All right. So uh, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, thank you for asking. I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful day here. Uh, how's your guys' day been going? Uh, pretty well. No complaints. Yep. Uh, pretty day here, too. And uh, just uh, excited about uh, Auburn basketball keeping it going. Yeah, well, before we get to uh, the wild world of Auburn sports, how about uh, uh, some birthdays I enjoyed hearing about? Mr. Daniel Carson, 28. Boy, I was 28 again. Uh, and Mr. Nick Fairley turned 35. Is that right? Uh, he was it 35. Yes, 35. Yeah. yeah. 35. Uh, what's he up to now? 
I don't know. He had he had some pretty significant injuries in his NFL career that, that cut that very short. So I, I don't believe he believe he's retired from the league. I don't know if he plays in some smaller league somewhere else across the, the globe or something in Canada. I don't think he did any of that. So I, I, I don't know. Okay. And, uh, Brent, I understand your grandfather uh, that you spent some time with over the weekend uh, turned 84? Yes, sir. 84 years old on Saturday. Wow, well, I hope uh, you had some good uh, memories uh, with him uh, for that uh, birthday with him. Absolutely. All right, speaking of the weekend, you were on my mind, Mr. Tom Peavy. Okay, I hope, to, <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> because because I'm constantly reminded by a uh, comment you've made uh, more often than not uh, to me is, Steve, in basketball, anything can happen. And they sure as heck happened over the weekend. Kansas losing for the first time ever, to TCU at home. Yeah. By 23. Yeah. It wasn't even close. And then and then to uh, up that uh, uh, remarkable uh, underdog win, we've got who? Temple. Knocking off number one, Houston. Beating Houston. Yep. Oh, my God. And Houston was a 20-point-something favorite. Yeah. So... Yeah, anything can happen uh, in basketball, you've proven, Steve. <laughs> you've been proven right. Anything can happen. I mean, who'd have thought, right? Uh, Temple could do that. Yeah, no, that that one was surprising, especially on Houston's home court. If you you told me they slip up on the road once or twice, sure. Uh, but the number one team losing at at home to an unranked team that's probably not making the NCAA tournament is uh, is a huge upset. Well, how about the number one two teams? I don't know if this has happened before. Losing together, both of them at the same on the same weekend. Uh, and they were ranked number one and two at home. Yeah, the at-home part would be different. I'm sure that they both have lost on the same weekend before. But, again, at home, you know, at least – I know Kansas got thumped, but they did lose to a, a top 15 team there in TCU. So even though the uh, the margin was surprising, I mean, TCU now number 11 in the country after this AP poll. So, you know, that one is not unfathomable. Again, it's the Houston and Temple result that uh, that is, again, very surprising. Now, I recall, correctly, guys, but TCU had just lost that past, this past week. Was it Kansas State? Who was it? Uh, let me double check that. TCU lost. They beat Kansas State last week. They lost to West Virginia earlier this week. That's right. Okay. All right. And uh, who Auburn's going to have to play coming up? We're going to have our hands full with that team, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Well, West Virginia is definitely a team that you wish Auburn would play at home versus on the road because West Virginia uh, is one of those classic teams where they're honestly not that good overall. But when they're at home, they're very tough to beat. West Virginia, just one quick factoid on them. They are just 1-6 in, in the Big 12, and they're just 11-8 and eight overall. But they pushed number 7 Texas last weekend. That was a close game throughout. And then as we just mentioned, they did beat TCU at home. So they, they're really not that good overall. They're probably on like a Georgia level if you were to rank them compared to an SEC team. But when you go on the road, that's when it gets difficult. Anything can happen. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't know this about West Virginia, uh, Ryan, until I read on 247 Sports just now. Uh, uh, I think Nathan Keene wrote this. He said, they cannot be judged by their record. Even though they're 11-8 and and 1-6 in conference, uh, every single loss that they've had has been a team currently rated in the top 40 by Ken Palm. And didn't know this. West Virginia has played 11 Quadrant 1 games, the most in the country. Yeah, they've been battle-tested, and the, and the Big 12 will do that. Big 12 is an excellent basketball conference. 
And this is uh, the, the more uh, troubling part, at least for, for us. West Virginia uh, says here uh, is one of the more efficient offensive teams uh, this year uh, that we're going to be facing. They're number 55 nationally in overall shooting percentage, number 103 point shooting, number 14 in free throw rate. So we don't need to be fouling them. Right. Very good free throw team. Yep. And they're one of the better three point shooting. Uh, dudes that we're going to face this season. Their leading scorer says here is Trey Mitchell, and the other one is Eric Stevenson. One is shooting 40.6% of them, 36.2% from three-point land. So uh, there you go. And then, uh, guys, about the game Saturday, you know, it was, to me, an impressive win. That was a good part of it. And then can we talk about the bad part of it? And what was that? That was uh, the, uh, the offensive rebounds. We're still even against a bad team. Uh, I saw stats here. We had only 10 offensive rebounds to 12 for South Carolina. Yeah, overall yeah. the rebounding was very even, yep. yep. All right, now that was a bad team. And we, uh, all the, we and had 25, the 25 to 23 on the defensive boards, though. Yeah, well... This is the part that really, to me, uh, is a head-scratcher. You know, how do you do this? The ugly part was we only allowed them 22 points the first half. Mm-hmm. The second half, 44 points. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of that was G- 26 point. We have a 26-point lead with about eight minutes left of the game, and we're down to 10. I said, oh, my gosh, let's don't start this. Uh. So, guys – how do you do this to a really, really bad team? I know we're playing on the road, but you hold them 22 points in the first half, and then they explode for 44 points in the second half? They have one player who's really, really good, and he got as hot as he could in that second half. That was a big part of that comeback. The other part is you look at when they started that comeback. It was when Auburn had about a 10-minute stretch of playing all bench guys. You had a lot of guys in there that are not your typical starters. Uh, Trey Donaldson was in there. Uh, Yoan Treyor got an extended run. Uh, So guys like that were in the game, not your typical starters uh, that – played so well in the first half you gave them a, a little bit off and then you put them back in the game to end it and that's when that lead got stretched yeah. out a little bit more well it's Steve the other thing yeah Gigi Jackson for them got scorching hot through that little section uh defensively South Carolina went to a one three one zone and that really kind of baffled Auburn they they struggled to get much of anything going offensively with that zone in their face I though blame it on me because once again, I'm not watching the game. Auburn is dominating. I start watching the game, and I watch this lead diminish to 10. As soon as I turn it back off, Auburn runs away with it. So it's my fault. Okay. So <laughs> this is on you then, okay? Yep. It's on me. Stop watching. Stop watching. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I tuned it in because Auburn was up by 26. It's like, oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch Auburn just dunk all over these guys. And it was going pretty good there for a little bit. But then slowly but surely, here comes South Carolina as I'm watching it. And I had to turn it back off because I was thought I was thought I was watching an, an epic Auburn meltdown right there. And I, I was not going to sit back and watch it. Okay. Uh, enough. I don't know. I don't hear your comments about Janai uh, Broom. Uh, he had an outstanding game. Uh, I hope he can keep that level of play. But also, uh, I hand it off to Mr. Uh, Green. You know, he uh, he definitely uh, you know elevated 
uh, his uh, performance uh, against uh, another bad South Carolina team. And so did, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Allen Flanagan. You know, I think he had no turnovers. Did he only, only have one, maybe? Uh, zero turnovers for Flanagan. Yeah. And turnovers, uh, remarkably, were only, I think, only uh, nine, I think. Yep. Nine? Yeah, nine. Wendell Green had uh, four of those. Everybody else just had one each. So, yeah, down to just yeah. nine. And we forced 14. So, uh, A&M, I'm, I'm sure, is going to be uh, hot to try to uh, uh, come back from their loss uh, that they were uh, uh, lost over the, the weekend. And uh, I'm hoping our, our home, you know, court advantage uh, will be uh, the factor here. What do you think uh, the line Vegas will make on this game? Oh, I, I think they'll I think they'll have Auburn uh, Auburn will be favored by maybe not up to 10, but it'll be probably that 7 8 range maybe, I think. Well, that high? I thought maybe 4 to 6. Uh, I think because Auburn's at home, yeah. they're going to get uh, get some credit there. I think that Auburn would still be favored on the road in College Station, not by a lot, but by a couple. And so you kind of translate that out to being at home. And, yeah, I think high single digits. And I read where they're not uh, – they're, they're, I mean, their forte is not three-point shooting, but rather in the paint. Is that right? About A&M? Uh, yeah, I mean, most teams in the SEC are not uh, not good three-point shooting teams. And I don't – A&M has not struck me as that either. And speaking of that, you know, uh, I should have known better. But I had my hopes up. I was watching the first uh, – I guess seven, eight, ten minutes in the uh, Alabama game with uh, Missouri. Miss poor Missouri. Yeah, actually, Missouri had a lead. I said, "Hey, we may have a game here." And then it was that's not all she wrote. Yep. That was all she wrote. Yeah, uh, it's uh, so remarkable. All right. Uh, speaking of going around to Auburn sports, uh, the uh, gymnast did really good. I was watching some of that on uh, ESPN Plus. And uh, there's something, I don't know what it is about these judges. One judge gave Suni Lee a 10, and the other one, I guess, refused or was, was not going to give it to her, gave her 9.975. Wow. Uh, do you see the uh, anti-bias towards uh, Suni Lee for some of these judges? No, they, they've given her plenty of 10s already. And, I mean, it's – I, I, I think they it, it's hard for them to give a 10. They're not just going to throw those 10s out there. Well, they'll give it to her. I mean, she earned it. I saw it. Well, no, no, I know. Well, but I, I don't know what the judge saw. I mean, that judge may have seen just the slightest little something, and they're not going to give the 10 if they see that one slight little something. So, I mean, she's had her 10s. Uh, if anything, the bias would be more in her favor because – she is the Olympic gold medalist, and, and everybody's excited. And so the judges will look at her, and even if there's like just a slight little something, she'll get the benefit of the doubt because everything she else is, does is so good just over the top that you get the 10, even though there might have been a little tiny thing there. So she would get the benefit of the doubt more than not. Well, there's one particular gymnast who apparently gets a lot better of the doubt, and I wish she'd, you know, uh, Graduate out of Florida. Her name is Trinity. Yeah, she's really she good. Gets more tens than Sue Lee ever uh, ever gets. Yeah, she's I, good. I've seen him. I said she. she they, they, they can't seem to give enough tens to her. Uh, but anyway, uh, she's a now college graduate uh, uh, in graduate school. So I said, bye. Well, when does she finally graduate? All right, moving on, guys. Uh, the swim team, men's swim team, uh, beat Alabama. Uh, unfortunately, the women's swim team uh, came up short. 
And then our women's basketball team finally won an SEC game. Yep, you yep. just uh, you just mentioned them on Friday, I believe, Steve, and then they, they won the very next game. Yeah, so uh, I guess I took the, the hex off of them. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I would just simply say that that's why sometimes we got to get get the teams healthy and, and let it play out a little bit. Okay. All right. And how about big shout-out? Let's go to the NFL for Mr. Jonathan Jones. I didn't know this until I read from AL.com. Maybe you already knew it. Uh, but he is uh, in the running for the Allen Page Community Award, which is, according to what I read, the NFL Players Association's top honor. Were you aware of that? I was not. Yeah, he. Uh, it's, rec- it's an award that recognizes the players uh, for their community services, team, city, and hometown. And apparently, what he did uh, was during the uh, Texas A&M football game this season, he had a, a tailgate fundraising uh, activity, and apparently raised a lot of money for helping families in need. And uh, uh, he's on the list. Uh, he uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, he raised enough funds to feed 450 local families with meals and snacks on the days the Auburn City schools were closed for the holidays. Awesome. So awesome. Uh, he's in the running for that award. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. Now, well, last uh, thing for us, Steve, and then we need okay. to take a break. There is a curse in the NFL. Do you know what the curse is? Uh, I, there's a lot of something different little over, things there. around the bills or something. I, I don't quite now. now this, comes, this comes from the, the Bleacher Report. From Bleacher and I didn't Report, know about okay. this. Yeah, it's called the MVP Curse. The last player to win the MVP in Super Bowl in the same season, who do you think it is? Or was? Oh. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be really... I was going to guess Brady, but if it's, if it's a curse, it's probably a long time ago, so I don't know. Yeah, it was Mr. Warner. Kurt oh, Warner. Kurt Warner. Okay. Wow. Kurt right. Warner. Late 90s. In 1999. Yeah. So it, 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 no, it wasn't Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. And here's the curse. Since Kurt Warner, nine MVPs have reached the Super Bowl, and they're 0-9 when they've got the MVP. I'm sure that's a couple Brady years. Then surely he made the Super Bowl one of the years he won MVP. Now, there's one person that might be able to break that that, that jinx, and uh, that's Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, right. I, yeah, I think he's going to win MVP. I would have voted Jalen Hurts personally, but uh, I think uh, Mahomes will win it. Yes. Okay, he might break the curse. Uh, I don't know how good he'll be playing with that sprained ankle. Is that something that can be, uh, I guess, overcome and be no issue or not? Uh, I think it's going to be an issue. I think he will play. Uh, it is a high ankle sprain by all accounts, and those are typically the worst kind of ankle sprain. And so, I think his movement will be limited. But I there's I, there's no way he doesn't play. And he's still a damn good passer. So, yes, some of the creative stuff he might not be able to pull off. But uh, if if he gets protected, because he got protected very well against Jacksonville, if they protect him well, it's re- I really don't see it being a big issue. Now, if, if he's got pressure in his face almost every other down, if Hendrickson and those Bengals DNs are getting to him, well, then that would start to become an issue. He'll have trouble getting away. But he's going to play, and I still expect him to play very well. Yeah, and I know you guys have seen the lines, right? They expect this game to be, uh, I think uh, KC is like a one, one-and-a-half point favorite. Right, because of the Mahomes uncertainty. I think they'd be favored by a little bit more if he was for sure healthy. And the 49ers, they're, they're only a two- or two-and-a-half point favorite. Which is still interesting because, I mean, that's the that's the road team there. So, 
Uh, that mean or no? Philadelphia is favored in that one, Steve, by two and a half. So. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Vegas thinks both these games are going to be really competitive. You guys agree? In general, yes. I mean, these are uh, these are not shocking opponents here for the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship games, and these have been four of the five best teams all year. Only Buffalo would have been in that mix too, and they had to play one of the other top five teams. And and so yes, these are these are the top teams in the league. This is exactly what it should have been. And you got to feel bad, at least I do, for the, uh, for, for the uh, Buffalo fans because it's like, you know, they're like Charlie Browns in football, you know. Uh, the agony of defeat, as Kurt Gowdy you say, at see Sports. They can't, they can't win it when they need to. But thank you guys for taking my phone call. Uh, I always appreciate it. Have a uh, rest of the afternoon relaxing one. And uh, we'll talk to you again uh, tomorrow. Uh, and we'll talk about Mr. Jason Campbell, who got sports color analyst for the uh, – Sports Broadcasting Football. Yes, sir. Season. Yes, sir. Hi, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is retired Word AM Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate the call right there from Steve. We need to take a timeout. More sports call coming up after the break. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. This is the Monday edition of Sports Call. Brian LaVoy, Brand Donfrey, Tom Peavy with you here. Having good discussions. Appreciate Retired Word MC for giving us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line. All right, let's carry on now. Let's go back to some uh, NFL playoffs. We've already talked some Cowboys uh, as one good, uh, responsible sports talk show should for losing again in the playoffs yet again. Uh, let's talk about some of these other matchups. Let's let's start with again the the other big one, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Uh, this was a game where I think it probably had. I think the Sun, I think the Sunday games were the two most anticipated games of the weekend. I still uh, think yeah. this one was probably more so than even Dallas and San Francisco. I know the huge fan base is involved with Dallas, San Francisco, but Cincinnati and Buffalo on a very similar level this year as they were to last year. But the difference here, uh, you had the DeMar Hamlin storylines and the right. undertones there. Um, and Cincinnati, from the word go, was all over Buffalo. Uh, they get jump out to a 14 nothing lead just like that in the first quarter. And that was actually all that was required to win that game. Uh, I know, Tom, you were surprised by it. I think some were definitely surprised about it. I struggled immensely trying to pick this game 
because I felt Cincinnati was every bit as good as Buffalo. Sure. My, my deciding factor why I ultimately picked Buffalo on Friday was just I got too in love with the team of destiny type of thing. They're going to do it for DeMar Hamlin. And I think I am very guilty of that overall. I, I, I think the biggest possible storyline is going to be the one that prevails. And that's just not always true. In fact, it's probably not true the majority of the time. And the majority of the time, it's not the coolest slash biggest storyline. It's just not – I don't want to say Cincinnati's whatever, but in some terms, it's just a normal storyline. And so it's not a bad one to have a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, which was a stunner when Cincinnati went into Arrowhead and won. But uh, that is the storyline here. It was not Buffalo's year yet again. Yeah, Um the, the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, yeah, that story was cool, but that's one of the things that I've talked about before, uh, that you can sit there and have these storylines and you can just say, you know, play for DeMar or play for whoever and play for this, this, that, and the other. Once the game actually starts, it becomes the game, and that other stuff kind of goes out the window. It's not a movie script. Now, does it sometimes work out? Sure, but this is we're not – we're not in a movie script scenario here. It's an actual game that has to be played. I thought Buffalo would win this game because I, I do think and, and will continue to think that Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I am just always thoroughly impressed with him. And the fact that it was going to be in Buffalo with in front of their crazy fans and then you add snow to it, and so you're on your own home field in the snow. Like, I mean, I know Cincinnati can also play in snow, but but Buffalo, it's just everything was just iconic about that for a Buffalo win. And the the Bengals' defense just shut them down. Uh, there, the Bengals' defense shut down Josh Allen. They shut down the uh, the rushing attack. Uh, Josh Allen was their leading rusher. I mean, twenty six yards. Right. Was their leading rusher Devin Singletary had twenty four. So that's the Bengals up front manhandled them in both offense yeah. and defensively. Um, and I think I guess that's what was just so surprising is that that Buffalo offense that it just seemed like it was clicking on all cylinders, especially with Josh Allen back there. They just couldn't get anything going. And in the meantime, Joe Burrow and the Bengals did. They they just they kept moving the ball down the field, and I mean chunk yards. That that was the thing. It just it was like, I, I mean it was like every play it was like gaining eight yards. They were like seven yards, eight yards, seven yards, eight yards, just moving down the field with like really just nothing stopping them. And I, I just thought that was just so surprising to see it go that uh, you know just complete role reversal of how I would have expected that game to go. Yeah, I, I'm not. I I thought Buffalo was the better team of the two. Um, top to bottom on the roster, I, I not saying Cincinnati's bad by any means, but I thought that I thought the Buffaloes had the better roster and playing at home in in what is probably one of the top five, it would maybe even top three home field advantages in the NFL. Yeah. Maybe we and, should re rank it now. I'm, and, kidding. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then uh, it, arguably the best, we'll mm-hmm. say that. And, and I'd and say, then and then you have yeah. the snow, like Tom said, and it's it's such a classic. Buffalo wins this because Buffalo has to win this, and then the Bengals just came out and, like you said, just dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides yeah. of the ball. And you know, we'll talk later about this this other game, but uh, the Eagles 
the Eagles absolutely ran the ball down the throats of a who who did the Eagles? The Giants. The Giants, yeah. The yeah. Eagles offensive were looking line. looking very small in that Yeah, game. the Eagles very very well done. Thank you. Uh <laughs> the Eagles offensive line absolutely ate the Giants up in a similar way that the Bengals did to the uh to the to the Bills. That, my goodness, it's tough. It's tough thinking of common or of proper nouns <laughs> sometimes. I think it's interesting the way we're we just talked about this. Modern football overvalues the quarterback, even though it's arguably the most important position in all of sports. But I think what's become interesting is over the past, mostly this season, but it's been popping its head up more, running the ball and maintaining possession and playing good defense all of a sudden is important again. It's like we're back in the in the early 2000s. I don't, it's, it's, football is cyclical. These things go round and round and round, but we've we're starting to see kind of a regression back to the team that can run the ball, the team that can win in the trenches, the team that plays better defense is the team that's going to win. And that's what we saw in the, in that game, especially. Well, but I think also in the NFL, it's never been as skewed as it is in college. I think that the offensive game in college has become with all the up-tempo offenses has become so paramount and, even in the NFL, you're still looking at most coaching hires are coming for offensive guys because of the need for offense. And all these pass schemes and, and things that have been developing over time, look, they, they absolutely matter, and they, they have moved the NFL forward in that direction. But even still, I can point you to some of these Super Bowls. New England and Los Angeles from a few years ago. That's Sean McVay. That's the brilliant offensive mind. That's Tom Brady. That's the greatest of all time. It was a 13-3 Super Bowl. Yeah. And so there still is absolutely – people think it's got to go all way or all, all one way or another. There's still incredible room and importance for a great defense. Or in the case of the 49ers, who continue to put out great football teams without great quarterback play, although they're getting some pretty good, good quarterback play Excuse me, the last few games – there's still room for the run in, in defense, and especially in the NFL. I think it's it's even way more, it's even more important there because of the physicality of the game, uh, because of just the way they run offense. I mean, there's not a whole lot of up tempo stuff in the NFL. I was begging Tampa to do it all year long because every time they went up tempo, it looked great yeah. late in these games, even when it was it was garbage time or even if it was a one possession game, they needed to have the one score to win. All of a sudden, they look completely different up-tempo. But for whatever reason, the NFL does not do a lot of that. Uh, and so my, my point here is, yeah, no, I think that it's not going to ever abandon. And I don't think that it's ever become unimportant because you look at these certain situations and games. Why did it fit? What felt like the weakness of Cincinnati these last couple of years? Offensive line play. And all of a sudden, they, well, they understood the need for it. They signed a bunch of guys this offseason. And they'd been much better. And then they got injured at the end of this year. That's why we thought that they would not play well. But they built an offensive line that was supposed to be a lot better this year and was for, for good chunks of the year, especially mid to late. And then it just got hurt, so it became in doubt. And then all of a sudden, they, they dominated again. Um, my, my thing that I would like to talk about here with this specific game is, again, this narrative has been all about Buffalo. Yeah. It was Buffalo's year. Josh Allen could have won the MVP at parts of this year. They went in and they beat Kansas City this year. Well, that's great. You know who's 3-0 against Kansas City the last couple years? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. You know yeah. who went to, 
took Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl last year? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You know who has now won 10 football games in a row, including the postseason? Cincinnati. And so here's my my statement, and I want to be very careful with this because anytime you mention a comparison to this person, you're going to get looked at like you have three heads, and most people that make this comparison or any sort of comparison should be looked at like they have three heads. (laughs) But Burrow is starting to have that Brady element to him. And here's what I mean. It's not about, I think Burrow's going to win seven Super Bowls. He will not. I'm just going, no one will. No one in this, no one. No one, Mahomes, Burrow, they won't win seven Super Bowls. They will not go to 10 in all likelihood at all. But here's my point. When Brady was playing, it was always an attempt to find someone that did it in a cooler or more proficient way. Maybe Peyton Manning's 50 touchdown pass year with Denver. Maybe Aaron Rodgers' insane arm accuracy. But success-wise, Brady did certain things that were maybe not as flashy or as cool or as highlight-worthy, but they were more effective. And that's where I see Burrow doing. Mahomes has the biggest playmaking ability I have ever seen at the quarterback position. He makes the most impressive quarterback plays anyone has ever seen. Josh Allen has an arm that he could throw this football from Tiger Communications right here, and he could throw it all the way down College Street. I don't mean to the university. He could throw it all the way down to 280, (laughs) to US 280 down there. That's how impressive Josh Allen's arm is. But Joe Burrow is the guy that reads the defense the best. He takes checkdowns. No one likes a five-yard pass. No one's going to go talk about the highlight five-yard pass to the running back. That's what Brady's done for years. And I'm seeing Burrow do that. He's got Jamar Chase. He's got T. Higgins. He's got Tyler Boyd. He could throw it down the field every play if he wanted to. And yet, he's throwing it to his tight end a lot. He's throwing it to Mixon and P. Ryan out of the backfield a lot. Again, Hayden Hurst had as many catches. By the way, Hayden Hurst and Samaj P. Ryan had as many catches as Jamar Chase did mm-hmm. in this incredibly successful game that the Bengals had where they scored, ran great offense and scored pretty easily. They went to their tight ends and running backs as much as their all-pro caliber wide receivers. And so my point is not that Burrow will become Tom Brady, but just in the skill sets that they possess, Burrow is the one that's a little less flashy – even though he's got this cool personality and all that. He's a little less flashy. He doesn't make quite as impressive as a throw, quite as impressive as a highlight play as Mahomes and Allen. But he's every bit as successful because he does those little things better than they do. They don't do the little things poorly. They're still great quarterbacks. But he reads the defenses so well. He knows the right play. He knows the right coverage. And he just does those little things incredibly well. So... That's what I want to talk about or wanted to talk about with Cincinnati is Buffalo's great. And this threesome here of Allen, Mahomes, and Burrow is going to go on for years and years. And they're going to have their turns. Allen's going to get Burrow eventually. Allen's going to get Mahomes eventually. Mahomes might get Burrow this weekend. It might happen right Right. now. But these three are going to be around for a long time. And maybe Justin Herbert, maybe Trevor Lawrence will have some runs too. The AFC quarterback position, though, is in a wonderful place. And I just think that this playoffs continues to highlight that. You had a Lawrence versus Mahomes. Lawrence is a year or two away. He's not where Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow are now. He got his first taste this year. Justin Herbert got a taste of the playoffs. 
played pretty well. It wasn't really his fault that they lost. This league is going to be so tough to beat these five quarterbacks. Lawrence, I think I have more questions about, but certainly these three or four. And so, again, yes, we have our moments where we talk about one or the other. This is the moment to talk about Burrow a little bit more than the other because what Cincinnati and he have done the last couple years is somehow for a Super Bowl runner-up and for a team going back to the AFC Championship game is being talked about a little bit less than these other guys. Well, I and I always wonder this. I, I wonder if if Burrow and that lack of talk is just the nature of who he is playing for. Uh, that, that and that's a great that's a great possibility because it's it's a small market. It's a team that in the past, yeah, they they had their times with Boomer Esiason and you know in those days, but I mean overall, it, it's a it, you know it's a very small market team. It's a team that has not typically had a whole lot of great success. Uh, it's not a team that I think people would consider a NFL quote-unquote blue blood. And so I think they kind of get forgotten about. Um, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of people that completely forgot that they played in the Super Bowl last year until you remind them that, yeah, by the way. That was the team that lost the The Cincinnati Rams. Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Um. And so when you think you get the Bills and, and you know, and then especially now with Josh Allen, granted, they, still, again, a small market, but the Buffalo Bills have kind of been, uh, I guess. Lovable losers. Lovable losers. They, they have <laughs> They're a, like the Cubs. Right. They of the have, NFL. They have a history. Uh, not a great, it's not a very fun history for Buffalo fans, but they have a history. They have a rabid fan base that just oh, yeah. everybody knows about the Bills Mafia. And, and so you have that. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, kind of a blue blood. They were one of the. They've been around a long. They've time. been around a long time. One of the, you know, one of the originals in the Super Bowl, and, and of course Patrick Mahomes has been around now enough that he is just that guy. Yeah, he's he the highlight, the film. human highlight reel. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people forget about Joe Burrow and they forget about the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are twelve and four. Yeah, and if, no, if they and had beaten nobody, Buffalo, yeah, if they had beaten Buffalo in that game that got canceled, they would have the same record. They would have hosted this game. Yeah, they would have hosted they this game, right? And I talked about that last week because Cincinnati was getting all hung up on if they lost to Baltimore at the end of the regular season, they're going to have a coin flip for who in that Cincinnati Baltimore game hosted. They were getting all hung up about it. The real problem that they should have been mad at is that this game could have been a neutral site because this game, if it had been played and it had gone a certain way, Cincinnati would have changed seeds with Buffalo. Right. They would have been the two. They would have been ahead of Buffalo. They would have hosted. The game they were going to play to decide that was a game on Cincinnati's home field that they did not get to conclude. Yep. So they overcame that circumstance, but they had gone right down the field on Buffalo in that game too, by the way. They had one possession, one touchdown. Yep. <laughs> so it was such a small sample size, we didn't factor it in a lot. Who knows what would happen in the other 50 minutes. But they went right down the field on that team the first time. So, again, I'm not trying to, I don't know, criticize the amount of attention Buffalo has garnered or Kansas City because they're very deserving of attention too. And, again, it's about the highlights that these guys make. But, again, Cincinnati has had the more thought, methodical, workmanlike approach here. <laughs> And it's been ever bit as effective in the in the last two seasons, and here they are. They're going to do it again in Arrowhead against Kansas City. We'll we'll find out. Joe, freaking Burrow, 
Yeah, might, ever, be, might potentially be going to his second consecutive Super Bowl. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Yeah, you know, you know what? <laughs> uh, credit to the UCF defender that laid him out in the uh, Fiesta Bowl yeah. that year. <laughs> that, that may have forever changed <laughs> all of football. Never the same. He he rocked Joe Burrow into the elite category. Yep. In that game. Out of time for hour number two, we still need to recap the NFC playoffs from the weekend and also a little bit more on Auburn basketball. Best and worst of the weekend coming up at 5.30 as well. Stay with us. Two hours of Sports Call concluded. Third hour coming up in just a moment. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three, getting underway here of Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Brand Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. Had a lot of fun so far breaking down some of the NFL playoff matchups and also Auburn basketball's win over South Carolina over the weekend little SEC basketball as well. If you missed any of that, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. All right, so we were going to talk about the NFC playoffs because we, we've talked a little Cowboys, but we've talked mainly uh, Kansas City and then the, certainly the Cincinnati-Buffalo game. But we do have some breaking news that involves the Atlanta Braves uh, and that involves uh, us here uh, to some degree, and I guess the TV side of things, but of course we're a proud Atlanta Braves affiliate over on 1230 WAUD. And uh, the breaking news is that Chip Carey, longtime Braves broadcaster, is leaving the booth uh, for the Braves. He is on his way to St. Louis. He is going to be the new Cardinals play-by-play man. Uh, And uh, I'm not sure if they're going to have a rotation there, what happened to the other guy, if he's just going to be the main guy or or that sort of thing. Uh, Harry Carey uh, and the Carey family is from St. Louis. Of course, Harry went on to – I think he started with the Cardinals and went on to be famous for his Cubs days. Um, But – yeah, Chip Carey is going to the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, no trade from Double A that I know of, <laughs> but uh, Chip Carey is gone. So wow. there, the broadcast booth is now uh, vacant for the play-by-play. When they, and they've also been just recently holding tryouts for Voice of the Braves. Right. For their the, new, the, they're the going to have a new PA yeah. announcer who passed away last year. Yep. Yep. So, uh, man, that's going to be weird. I, you know, you just kind of associate Chip Carey with Braves broadcast. I, I don't know the exact years, but it's it's about he's, twenty. He's been there. It's, it's, I I do not remember the TV voice before Chip Carey. I I do because it was fun. Well, see, I remember so, his dad. Well, Skip. Yeah, yep. Skip. But uh, right, right. For a while on Sports South, back when it was called Sports South, 
the other main broadcaster when he was very young was John Shambi on TV. Mm. Uh, John Shambi, now that he does a bunch of baseball and, and basketball for ESPN, he was the other main uh, TV guy uh, when, when Chip Carey was kind of doing Peachtree TV mm. with Skip sometimes. Then Shambi would do the Sports South stuff. Yeah, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm a... Are they going to take like open applications for that? Are there auditions? What's what's the process for hiring the next guy? And can no. I send in my resume? Because <laughs> I love calling baseball, and I'm certainly not good enough to do it. But I might as well let them let, like give them my contact info at least. Yeah, well, and as Tom mentioned, I mean, you, we, anyone could have literally gone out there yeah. and tried for the PA. Yeah. Um, they had Spencer Strider doing it. Yeah, no. who sounded quite good, by yeah. the way. I think he's going to stay on the mound. Also, he's but. he's uh, he's going to wear ninety nine this year. Yep, for uh, Rick Wild thing, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't know what they're going to do in the booth. I don't know. We were talking off air if they're just going to do a conglomeration of color analysts, and it's going to be like Brian Jordan, Paul Bird, and Jeffrey and Cor, uh, which is uh, not our personal preference here. This is not something I follow very often. I wouldn't even tell you what broadcaster they could just go out and get. Yeah. Um, or, or who would have interest. Again, I just, this is, I, I don't know. I, I guess you could think about Ben Ingram from the radio side of yeah. things. I think but, that's that's the easy answer, right? Is go get the radio guy and let him ben do TV. Ingram, yeah. And but, Ben Ingram's very good. He'd he be is. a very suitable replacement. But uh, also, we have no I idea. I don't want we, him to stay we, on radio, though. Well, I was about to say, we have no idea what his personal preference is. We've had him on the show. Maybe we should have him on the show again soon. But uh, he might want to be a radio guy. Yeah. I, I don't always know the I – mean, I mean, there are some differences in radio and TV. Obviously, Joe Simpson went from TV to radio as a color analyst. Um, but there is a certain element to TV that's different than radio. And, uh, you know, JJ could have been someone to tell you about that, someone that does both. Um, you know, but but there is a there is a difference there. So it, I don't know if if Ben would, would would want to do that or not. You would think in a lot of ways, yes. But again, that he might want to stay on radio. So we don't know. So we will have to follow that news for sure. Uh, for now, though, let's let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Next up on the show today, Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, doing doing great, guys. How about yourself? Doing well. Yeah, uh, great weekend. Um, enjoyed uh, the football games yesterday. A uh, little disappointed in Buffalo. I thought that would be a little closer than than what it was. Uh, matter of fact, I thought Buffalo would win just on account of uh, Cincinnati's issues on the offensive line, but. I tell you what, that defensive front that uh, Cincinnati's got is pretty stout. Um, and after watching that game, uh, and and the X factor being that Mahomes with a high ankle sprain, uh, I, I like I like Cincinnati to uh, beat the uh, Chiefs again this year, and make it back to the Super Bowl. I mean. Uh, how, how do you go against them? What are they won ten in a row now? Yep, yep. ten in a row, yeah. eight in the regular season. Burrow's playing out of his mind. Yeah, their defense yeah. is playing out of its mind. It's crazy. I mean, just uh, unbelievable. And then the ball game ye- yesterday. Okay, guys. You know, I like to have a little fun every now and then, and, and put a little bit down on this and that. And these bookies, or no, not bookies. These Vegas lines and odds, it just tears me up. <laughs> How in the world 
do they always get these games like down to a half a point? Oh. You know, I, I, and, and when I say that, and it's not really, uh, I, I had let me t- let me let me share this with you. I, I and I do this for fun. Okay, I'm not a bet a thousand dollars on a team. I, I don't do that, but sure. I, I will bet a twenty five dollar bill uh, on a game here and there. But here's the thing. Uh, the first half of the Cowboys and, and 49ers was two and a half points. Okay? All right. I took the Cowboys plus two and a half. I was feeling good, especially with two and a half minutes to go in the game. And they were driving. The Cowboys had a three point lead and was inside the 35 yard line, fixing to go in and kick it, either score or kick an extra point. And then Odak pulls. And that wasn't really his fault. I mean, uh, but through an interception, deflected, and, you know, here we go. Of course, I knew then it was over with. I said, well, there you go. So, you know. Yeah, 50-yard uh, Robbie Gold field goal at the, at the buzzer there. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's like automatic. Yeah, you it's know? never and, missed in the postseason. Never. Yeah. And and the other thing is, it's just like the end of that ball game. Uh, you know, the Cowboys are down, are down seven, but um, – I would have wished, and I heard somebody say this earlier. I don't think it's on your guys' show. I think it was on some Fox Sports I was listening to this morning driving short. Anyway, the guy said, I sure would have wished Dallas would have scored a touchdown because I would have been interested to see <laughs> if uh, they run their extra point or, or the kicker out there to kick the extra point to Tyler <laughs> if they'd went to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> At least- he, did, he did hit two field goals, so I would have probably ran my – Extra point uh, unit out there and kicked, you know, kicked the field goal tight. But, uh, you know, of course, we never got to see that. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, you know, I'm – so I'm just uh, one of these that uh, – uh, I'm, I'm going to jump from football now to basketball because I'm just – I'm just a sports lover. Sure. Uh, Go for it. And so here – let's talk about basketball for a minute. First of all, you know, Auburn – just keeps on being Auburn, you know. Um, what are they now? Six and one in the SEC. Yes. Uh, you know, three weeks ago I didn't think they were that good, and I knew, and, and you guys knew too, that if Auburn's going to win and if they play well, their guards have to play well. That you know, of course, they've had some other people step up, but Auburn's guard play has to be good for them to. To be in bowl games, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, in particular, Wendell Green Jr. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I hate that man. Okay, not literally, but after what he did to Alabama last year in Tuscaloosa, uh, you know, he just like put a dagger in their hearts <laughs> <laughs> down uh, over in Tuscaloosa. But you know, when it's all said and done, uh, I think it's going to be Alabama and Auburn. And Tennessee, those three teams battling it out uh, to see who wins the SEC. Yeah. And Auburn's, you know, as good as Alabama is, and I have, you know, Bama's never been this good in basketball. So I sat there and I second guess every ball game they play. So, oh my gosh, you got to go to Missouri. Where they going? They going to lose? Can't they can't beat Bandit Bandy? And then you know they, they're winning by double digits every game they play. Uh, but eventually. That's not going to happen. I mean, I understand that. Uh, and, and then I think that first meeting with Auburn is what, February 11th? 
Saturday uh, before the right. Super Bowl. It is, yeah. yep, exactly February yep. 11th. Yep. At Neville Arena. Or, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, if Bama can win a road game, that'd be one I'd want them to win. But uh, the, the chances of that uh, drops, you know, especially the way Auburn's playing right now. If those two teams keep playing and getting better, uh, my gosh, that game allowed to be 120 to 118. You know, uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, here's the good thing about college basketball right now in the state of Alabama. Alabama's very good. Auburn's very good. UAB's not a slouch. I mean, what did they make it to the, the Sweet Eight last year? The, oh, yeah, they made the uh, NCAA tournament last year, yep. Sweet 16 or something. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> It's good. It's good for the. It's good for the state. You know, it it, it really is. Uh, so I'm interested to see how things play out uh, down the stretch. I think I do believe that. I, I do believe Alabama, talent wise, uh, is the best team in the SEC. Uh, I, 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 I really agree. Think, I really think Tennessee and Auburn's neck and neck. I might give a slight edge to Tennessee just for the fact that I think that Tennessee is probably almost as good as Alabama. You know. It, 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 and, and Auburn's right there too, so all, either any of those three teams could win the SEC. And if they didn't win the SEC regular season, any of those three teams could win the SEC tournament. Sure. Yeah. You no. Know, so. I, I look at Bama, and they're just a complete team. And, and that, I mean, obviously, when you go and win by double digits time and time again, but you know, I, I reference this: Brandon Miller is great. But he does not have to be great for them to be he, he be successful. Not. And and here's the thing that with Alabama that makes them so uh, hard to play against or, or difficult to beat, they're deep. And when I say they're deep, they're deep. You know, Noah, if uh, whatever his name is, Clowney. Yeah. I don't know if it's Noah Clowney or yep. Nye Clowney or what. Uh, what what is he? A, a freshman or a sophomore or something? Uh, them two guys. You know, he just keeps getting better every game. Uh, and then you got the lefty, uh, and I can't remember his name. I, I don't Sears. follow it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's from Muscle Shows and played at Ohio. University. Right, Mark, Mark Sears. Yeah. Uh, you know, if him and uh, Javon, uh, I don't know his name either. Quinterly. Yeah, Quinterly. Uh, you know, if them two guys are playing well, and you got uh, Miller and uh, Clowney playing well. Uh, you know they're they're a legit number one seed, if not the overall number one seed. If they keep winning, I, my my opinion, they're the best team in the country right now. They I would I would say they're the number one overall seed. I've watched Purdue play. Yeah. Uh, I think if Bama and Purdue plays, Bama beats them. I know they got that big lummox in the middle at seven foot nine or whatever he is. <laughs> Zach Eady. The rest, yeah. the rest of those players, to me, are not as talented as what Alabama's got. So you know, and, and I may be totally wrong with that, but I, you know, that's what makes uh, college basketball so fun. And I love March Madness, guys. I mean, nothing else out there. Uh, compares to March Madness in my eyes. Uh, it's just anytime you got a 16 seed going up against a one seed, and there's an opportunity for for upset to take place. I'm all about that. I, I love that. Uh, you know, so we'll see how everything plays out. But I think 
what Auburn's doing, I think what they have been doing in the past three or four years, and now that Alabama in the past couple of years has gotten to that point, they've made the state of Alabama, uh, Coach Pearl and, and Nate Oates, relevant when it comes to NCAA tournament time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys. But anyway, I, I, I won't keep you all anymore. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think the uh, bookies or, or the odds makers, you know, what is, what is Philadelphia, two-and-a-half-point favorite? That basically means that San Francisco and Philly are a dead heat. They're, they're, they're given two-and-a-half points uh, because Philly's playing at home. Right. Uh, so that, I think that game's close. Uh, I don't know who wins it. I, I, me, personally, I don't really care for either team, but I'll probably pull Philadelphia because Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. Uh, but then I like Mr. Irrelevant, too, so I don't know who I'll pull. I'll probably pull for whoever's behind in the fourth quarter. That's just the way I am. Uh, and then the uh, AFC, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to see Cincinnati get back. And and uh, I think Joe Burrow's a great uh, – not only is he a great quarterback, I think he's a great individual. I really do. I think he does a lot for the community and, and for his home uh, – well, I think he's, he lived. Didn't he grow up in Ohio? He did. Uh, yep. That's, yeah, that's home for him anyway. So uh, it makes for an interesting, uh, you know, NFC and AFC championship game. And uh, Mahomes is good, but a high ankle sprain, guys, uh, that, that's hard to overcome. I mean, um, and I, you know, he, he don't need a whole lot of practice to get ready for Cincinnati, he's faced him before, and he'll watch game film on him. But just moving around, uh, if if that front four for Cincinnati can can put pressure and get in his face, it, it could probably be a long day for Kansas City, in my opinion. Sure, so but he, that ankle mobility, yeah, mobility yeah. would be would be difficult. Yeah. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for 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 taking my call. Um, there's a big ball game on tonight. Uh, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but University of Alabama lady uh, women are taking on LSU. LSU. Yep. We know how that'll turn out. So, <laughs> but I'd just like to watch it anyway. You know, just to see. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, I don't understand how a coach can go from one place, Baylor, go to another place, uh, and, and turn a team that's 500 into an undefeated team. Other than the fact that one, you get transfers, and I guess whatever this system's called NIL or, or whatever. So I guess everybody took, packed their bags and traveled with her from Baylor to, to LSU. You know. Yeah, Kim Mulkey's been been great yeah. for a long time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't care. I don't care who wins women's. I just don't want South Carolina to win it. I'm not a big uh, whoever her her name is. Dawn Staley. Yeah, she beats people to death and. Uh, not that she doesn't try to. Uh, <laughs> she plays everybody under the sun, and they still win by forty. Right. But uh, you know, she's I guess the the new Pat Summit of, of women's college basketball, uh, and she's built a, a very good program there. I don't know, maybe the the men uh, over there South Carolina orders talking about hiring her for the men's program, see if she couldn't turn them around or something. But yeah, anyway, they, guys, they could learn a thing or two. Yep. I think I think they could, but anyway, I I, I enjoy your show. Y'all keep up the great work, uh, Tom. I'm glad you're uh, you've been promoted to three days a week now, and I'm sure you would have been, you know, if it hadn't been for your job or whatever. But it's good, always good to hear you on there, uh, Ryan. You uh, you you stepped right in there and uh, taken over for JJ. And I don't know, guys. I may be wrong, but with Skip Carey going to 
to uh, St. Louis. Maybe uh, JJ's primed to slip right in there and, and <laughs> over in Atlanta. What do you guys bring? <laughs> you know, we're going to have to mention that to him. He's going to have to apply. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell JJ he needs to apply. Tell him, tell him Keith from Auburn said that, okay? We will. We will. Y'all guys have a good and thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Keith. We appreciate that phone call. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate talking to Keith. Talk several things right there. I did want to mention, you know, for Alabama basketball, their moment of truth will be that that Auburn game Saturday, the February 11th. But then also February 15th, they're at Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> so those two games will kind of decide everything right there. If the home team wins those games, the the reverse games will matter a lot. If Bama's able to go on the road, win one of those, but if they somehow win both of those, uh, I think the writing would be on the wall at that point. So it uh, would be very interesting there mid-February during that two-game stretch for them. We need to take our next commercial break of the show. When we come back, we will get uh, more of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Best and worst of the weekend coming up in a few minutes as well. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy with you here. I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry with me here. As only about a half hour left in the program. Again, best and worst of the weekend coming up in just a few moments. But before that, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show today, Michael from Auburn. Michael joins the program. Michael, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. I'm sorry I missed most of the, the, the show today. So if I'm reiterating or bringing up anything y'all gone over, I apologize. But uh, did y'all touch on the Jason Campbell being announced and um, it's kind of the, uh, I guess he's replacing Stan, I, and I didn't know that Stan White was stepping down, but I, I'm, I'm, he's going to be a side, alongside Andy Bertram. Uh, yeah, so we hadn't really mentioned that. Ward M. Steve brought that up in a phone call uh, earlier today, and we were uh, talking before uh, Keith called in a few moments ago about announcers. I'm talking about uh, Chip Carey leaving the, the Braves. We were about to get to it, and uh, again, had phone calls. So, uh, yeah, Stan White last year, uh, early in the year, kind of before the year even started, mentioned that that was going to be his last year. And he kind of cited that he'd been doing it for about 20 years and uh, was just ready for family time and that sort of thing. He'd had discussions with his family and was and was ready to, to step away. And, uh, and so just today, as you mentioned, Jason Campbell uh, will replace him in the booth with Andy Bertram. And obviously Jason had been working on those broadcasts for a few years now. Uh, so uh, pretty logical. You know, you've been doing pregame and all, and all that. So uh, another from one great Auburn quarterback to another. It'll be very interesting. Uh, I, I knew that, you know, I, I remember, you know, Skip and Pete and, uh, you know, Don Sutton kind of being in the booth uh, and then whenever he moved on. Uh, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Chip was on some of those, you know, baby Braves calls. But, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Frank Core kind of step in to 
to get kind of a voice or, or, or do some things. Paul Bird does a good job for the Braves as well. Uh, I wouldn't mind having those, you know, Frank or or Bird doing kind of some play-by-play. If you could get Smoltzy back, I mean, hey, he's doing some Fox Sports. But, you know, if the Braves could bring, bring him back, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Yeah, you know, obviously – uh, going from color to play-by-play is a difference, but you're right, Frank Hor, He's Frank Hor's had opportunities on TBS, too. Uh, he, he did some of their Sunday games as a color analyst and then did some postseason uh, games for TBS up until, I think, the uh, championship series. So he's he is well-respected in the broadcast industry just overall. Uh, I'd be interested to see what he would be like as a play-by-play guy. And, and our kind of general thought is this feels kind of close to the season. This wasn't really on our radar. I wonder if behind the scenes maybe Chip Carey had been on his radar for a while or, or maybe the Braves were aware. But if they weren't, you know, they're going to have to come up with something pretty fast. And so I know a lot of people love Ben Ingram on the radio side of things. But otherwise, I mean, I don't expect them to really bring someone else in in this short notice, again, unless they unless this has been on their radar. So it's very possible they turn to a, a collection of color analysts to kind of lead things this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I appreciate the time, guys. Absolutely. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on Auburn, Auburn Bank phone line, and we appreciate Michael for calling in there. And, look, that's – I mean – that's a lot of people's childhoods. That's a lot of people yeah. growing up. I mean, as we've all stated, other than some some last days of Skip Carey and then a couple of John Shabby years, it's been Chip Carey for 20 years now, essentially, yeah. with the Braves. Uh, the, the only thing with putting a normal color guy in there to, to do that is typically your play-by-play is going to be a dedicated broadcaster. Right. And then you're going to color have, guy was a player. At your some your color guys are going to be your former players that can give you the, those insights. You don't typically see the color commentator guy move into the full broadcast seat. Like I said, that's usually a dedicated professional broadcaster. Right. Uh, I I honestly think Ben Ingram probably gets that gig. Uh, if I have to guess, uh, just. I wouldn't know many other people who to guess. Yeah. honestly, to be yeah. fair, well, I, I don't I don't know who the other options are. That's the, well, I mean, I mean, this just happened. So, uh, you know, I don't know if they try to go out and find somebody, find a big name to come in and do it, or just take Ben Ingram from the radio side and put him in the uh, TV booth. Everyone, everybody on Twitter seems to keep saying Ben Ingram is it. Ben Ingram or bust. Right. And again. Uh, and he's had some amazing calls on the radio. Yeah, Ben Ingram's great, honestly. And, and like I said, I mean, with just a – I mean, because you're going to start spring training – here in a month, and they'll start the spring training broadcast on TV in probably a month and a half. They start. They usually do some March games. I, I would think they're going to have to decide pretty. Sw- I mean, it, swiftly if it's someone outside of the the sphere of the Braves right now. I mean, they want to be around the team. They yeah. want. They want. They're going to yeah. want to be there when spring training starts, so that they can start getting to know all those players and coaches. And so, if you're trying to hire someone from outside, you got to be doing that the next few weeks because you can't let that get to the end of february spring training start and these guys basically say oh i don't want to i don't want to move the the day the season's starting i don't i don't want to have to get to know these guys after they've already been in camp and, and that right. sort of thing i mean i we i've got to know these players inside out I, two weeks to do that's not enough time so I, I think the likelihood probability is again it's going to be either ben ingram i'm with you or and they're going to have a hodgepodge. And, again, that would not be ideal. And I agree with you uh, that hearing Brian Jordan or Paul Bird doing 
play-by-play might sound a bit off. Francoeur, I would be interested to hear him try. You know, Joe Simpson on the radio side of things does a tremendous job uh, when he calls, uh, when he does games play-by-play. And it's actually great. And he had been a color analyst, obviously, for TV for a long time. So it's not impossible. But as I did say, there is a different art to TV than to radio. And so, you know, radio, you've got to say every single pitch. You've got to say you've got to paint the picture fully, right? And then there's an art to being able to halfway paint the picture when you're on TV. You kind of go along with the crowd. You, there's moments where you speak animated. There's moments where you let the crowd or let the game speak for itself. And so there are some intricacies that are different. And I think honestly, uh, if I had to guess, it would probably be harder for someone that's inexperienced to do TV than to do radio. Uh, because radio, you, you describe what you see all the time, and you just know to keep going. Here's exactly what you see. 97-mile-per-hour fastball outside corner strike one. You know, you, TV, that does not always translate the same. Right. You've got to know the, the right times to speak. There's more of a etiquette there. And so it'll be very interesting, but certainly was not on my radar. I, I thought <laughs> Chip Carey would retire as a Brave broadcaster uh, yeah. maybe 10 years down the road or something, and yeah. he would not work for anyone else. But he is the, – the Carey family is from there. So it's not the most shocking thing in the world, uh, but but still was not on my radar today. Yeah. But I mean, he's he's been around Georgia long enough. He graduated from Georgia, right? Uh, I think his kids graduated for, or his kids go to Georgia. So I mean, he's kind of been a Georgia guy, sure. for a long time. I mean, ever since his dad was the play-by-play for the for the sure. Braves. So yeah, it's gonna be gonna be odd. I mean, he's kind of a iconic face and iconic voice for Braves baseball. So it's gonna be weird seeing him take off for whatever I guess he considers considers greener pastures in sure. St. Louis. All right, a few minutes left in the show. This is a Monday edition of Sports Call, so it's time for the best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. You would have thought that the way I reacted um, <laughs> when I heard this news would have been a new worst of the weekend. I will maintain my earlier one, but guys, I'm going to give you the opportunity first. You start with best or the worst, whichever you're more passionate about. Uh, I mean, I'll go best, and I mean, it's, it was one. It was just the one play from uh, the Auburn South Carolina game. The the alley oop dunk, the Wendell Green kind of over the shoulder lob uh, to uh, Janai Broom one handed slam. But what made that so great was there's a kid with the South Carolina jersey mm-hmm. on sitting behind the goal, and he's just got his hands like covering his ears. With this look on his face, like. Oh my Lord, have mercy! I can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> it just made it even more. It was an epic alley oop dunk, highlight reel dunk. But then to see the the kid with the South Carolina shirts on reaction was that that made it even more priceless. Yeah, my best of the weekend is going to be uh, something that we're not going to talk about on this show very much anymore because JJ is gone. Uh, UFC two eighty three was absolutely fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that. The main event of the night, especially Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill, uh, light heavyweight battle. Both guys weighing in about 205 uh, is your standard light heavyweight. Um, Glover Teixeira is one of the toughest human beings ever to live. Uh, there were seven different moments in that fight where I thought he was about to drop down and quit, Be, and any normal man would have, or been knocked out at least. Uh, but no, he, he made it all five rounds, lost all five rounds, and Jamal Hill absolutely tore him to shreds, but Glover Teixeira uh, showing how tough he is. And at 42 years old, and uh, did confirm after after the fight that he was retiring, that was his last fight. Um, 
but uh, watching his last fight, uh, even though Hill won it and was by far the better fighter, uh, getting to see those two go to war for five rounds was a lot of fun. Are they always pay-per-view UFCs? Or? Um, the numbered events, yes. Okay. Uh, but you have a fight night every now and then that is uh, it's on ESPN, I think. But most of them are ESPN Plus. That like a glorified undercard. It's the fight night. I mean, I know uh, I know the, undercard the, usually. So you have your prelims for your numbered events. Those are on standard ESPN. But then you get to the main card. Those are pay per view. But fight nights happen every week or so when they don't have a championship belt uh, up for grabs. Usually is when they'll have them. And uh, those those are just fighters that people don't know as much fighters that aren't good enough to quite make it on the main card but guys that are in the ufc who people may know gotcha yeah i'm sorry that i'm i'm not no it's well totally versed fun. in the ufc i, I don't under, i don't expect everybody to be i've just i've kind of fallen in love with it over the last two or sure. three years and kind of fell out of it for a little while and now trying to get back into it and it's it's just interesting to me that the more i watch the more impressed with it i am fair enough all right so my best of the weekend uh i had more trouble with this one the worst i guess i was just trying to be negative this weekend i guess i knew my negative well uh but my my best of the weekend is just going to be um snow game and the nfl (laughs) Um, we kind of talk about snow games like with with some sort of uh folklore almost there's a reverence to them and it feels like most of the classic, and I granted 2710 is not going to go down as a classic game, but it feels like most of the classic snow games all happened like 30 years ago, and it just doesn't feel like it. it there's a lot of them anymore. Uh, so it was good to see a little different. I'm all for uh, perfect playing conditions. I'm all for Super Bowl where I don't have to worry about slipping and sliding, actually. But every now and then, I do like the elements to matter. It's nice to change it up, put it up in the random machine every once in a while. And uh, it, it was it was full fledged snow really the entire game never got completely piled onto the field or anything although there was a, a, at least a, a skimming a little dusting of it but uh, I enjoyed a snow football game uh, in the yeah. playoffs and every now and then from time to time it's a it's a fun watch absolutely right. worst of the weekends uh, my worst of the weekend I, so last year uh, the Savannah Bananas came to Montgomery and we went. And we had a great time. We had the owner on the show with us, and we talked right. about an amazing show. Could not wait to go back. And when I knew uh, back a month or so ago, they announced their whole tour, and they've expanded their tour. They've got a coast-to-coast tour that they're doing, and they were going to be back for two days in Montgomery, rip-roaring and excited, ready to go, waiting on tickets to go and sell. And over the weekend, I see a buddy of mine post this thing on Facebook that they're completely sold out. All, they are already completely sold out in Montgomery. I never got the notifications that tickets are on sale, but apparently they were doing a lottery system for their tickets, and I did not know that. Um, Ooh. And so all of a sudden, Montgomery sold out, and I never even got a chance to even try to buy tickets to it. Yikes. Are you going to look at the secondary market? Or? I I will, but... It's probably going to be a... Probably yeah. a lot of money. Now, we, we I looked, and I did... Uh, um, standby tickets for their games in Birmingham. Okay. So maybe. Because right now, all you can get are standby tickets. There's, there's not... It, it's so weird. And I, I even mentioned this to, to my girlfriend, Michelle's like, I hope they're not getting too big for their britches as far as what they're doing. Like, are you just going to get to the point that you're not even doing general admission sales anymore? You're doing a lottery? Yeah. And then a standby? It's like, mm, come on now. That's fishy. Yep. Yeah. So... Worst of the weekend. 
Yeah. yeah very dis- very disappointed. Yeah. I've been looking forward to going back to watching the Bananas at Riverwalk Stadium, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Brant? Uh, I didn't prepare a worst coming into this, so I've been trying to think of one since we started this segment, and I remembered I'd have to do something. Uh, it, it's tough to pick anything other than Chip Carey leaving the Braves. Um, I guess for like, if it was for like, I know that I know the Cardinals are a, a big time team, but I don't know. This is the card. The Cardinals are not as good as the Braves. You know what's the plan? You're going to watch worse baseball. I mean, I, I would not love significantly worse. Not significantly worse, but I, I don't. I don't know. I think they'll still be fine. They're still a they'll be classic fine. franchise. Ah, uh, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me. I don't like when people leave my teams. It upsets me. Okay. All right. That's, that's all I got. Maybe he wants to see Danzy Swanson 18 <laughs> shut times shut a year. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. All right. Uh, my worst of the weekend uh, pertains to stuff that I've been seeing uh, on a little bit on TV, mostly internet, because the internet's always very smart. Um, <laughs> Jalen Hurts uh, attended uh-huh. the University of Oklahoma. That's where he finished. I understand he started at Alabama. I understand he accomplished things at Alabama. Alabama people, stop claiming Jalen Hurts is an Alabama player. He went there for a while. I get it. Without Lincoln Riley developing him as a passer, he would not be where he is in the NFL today. And in this age of transfers, it's where you finish I could give you so many examples, unless, of course, Alabama people are not going to claim that Jamison Williams is from Ohio State, okay, or Jameer Gibbs is actually Georgia Tech. We're not playing whatever school you prefer here, folks. We're playing the last school up, the school that Roger Goodell reads on a card, Jalen Hurts from the University of Oklahoma. Doesn't matter the great moments he had at Alabama. And there's so many athletes that have great moments at other schools, too. And then they still ultimately transfer. Remember, he became the backup. You wanted him to be the backup. It was Tua. That was fair. Tua was better at the time. Okay? You don't get to have it both ways if you don't both finish there. I don't care he graduated from there. I do not care. He got. He went to Oklahoma. He became an Oklahoma product when Lincoln Riley developed him. And again, this I joke with JJ all the time. I m- mentioned this in the office. Someone like Seth Curry in basketball. He started at Liberty. Then he went to Duke. Well, he was great at Liberty. He scored like 18 a game. Well, then he went to Duke, and that's who developed him into a pro player. And this happens all the time. Okay, so we're not doing this. We're going to claim him like he's our 1940-something championship. Okay? Hmm. He finished at Oklahoma. And so that was my worst of the weekend is, again, falsely claiming where people did and did not go to school just because you start somewhere, even if you graduate from somewhere. Alabama's not the reason, even though they're the reason there's a whole lot of people in the NFL. They're not the reason Jalen Hurts is who he is today. That would be Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. All right, going to take our final time out of the show when we come back, a nightly TV guide, and we will get out of here. Stay tuned. One last segment of Sports Call coming up after the break. We need a time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. 
Welcome back to Sports Call. Last minute or two of the show today. Again, Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry. Just in line again with the uh, worst of the weekend I just had. Uh, noted Florida Gator Cam Newton. Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner. Yeah. Again, can't claim every school they go to. It's the, it's the last one. So, without... Oh, Ohio State Buckeye Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow, exactly. Yeah. Again, all the time. Just endlessly could find examples. Texas A&M think. Aggie Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's a great one, too, by the way. Oklahoma develops quarterbacks. What can I say? They had a – well, maybe not now. But Lincoln Riley develops quarterbacks. What was Oklahoma it? Te- used to develop. Texas Tech Heisman Trophy winner uh, – crap, I talk about him all the time and his name slipped my mind. Cleveland. Guys, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yeah. 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 So – and he played at Texas Tech, too. Yeah. Example after example after example. Troy Aikman, UCLA, started his career at Oklahoma. Didn't know that. Yeah. I'm just – there's my age. I didn't know. That. <laughs> didn't uh, Kyle Rudolph didn't start at Notre Dame, did he? Didn't, it wasn't that a big thing. Oh, I don't. Didn't know. he transfer to Notre Dame? Only played there one year. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, the point remains. Unlimited number of examples. All right, last few seconds of the show. Time for the TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, men's college basketball, Duke hopefully loses to Virginia Tech. That's 6 o'clock on ESPN. (laughs) Women's college basketball, number 10, Iowa. Number 2, Ohio State, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. That is Norfolk State and Morgan State, 6.30 on ESPNU. And a couple movie picks, Grown Ups 2, 6 o'clock on Freeform. And 7 o'clock on Sci-Fi Kingsman. Is that a sci-fi movie? Kingsman? That's I, too good to be on sci-fi, I isn't don't, it? I don't think of it as a sci-fi movie at all, no. And just in general, like, sci-fi is like... It's very low-budget. Sharknado. Yeah. And... and very hockey. Mega Gator versus other... Lake Placid. Yeah. Two, like no, that. Lake Placid 2, not even the one that hit the box office. <laughs> the, Lake Placid 2 features a alligator that is in midair wiggling on a wire. That I've, can I've seen that. See That's such a, such the a good... The worst thing I've ever seen Such in a, a good moment in a movie. Anyway, that will end it for the show today. Tom, appreciate you being here. See you tomorrow. Absolutely. And Brand, appreciate you being here. See you a little bit later in the week. Thank you for having me. And uh, we appreciate all those who tuned in and called in today as well. For Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.